0: everyone and welcome back to Epic Tales from the Sewers. I'm your host Justin and I have with me a very special guest today to cover the comic that we're going to be covering. I have Liddy, the Channel 6 chick. How are you doing?
1: I am awesome today. How are you Justin?
0: Doing wonderful. Uh, thank you for joining me, you know, on uh the in the sewer here. Um this is a really big book. Like there's there's a lot to it. I'm, I'm glad that you suggested we cover this because uh, it's it's kind of meaty. It's the uh, the best of TMNT. April o'neill
1: I was going to say, did I suggest it or did you suggest it? I think that was your bit of genius, but I'm totally down with it.
0: <laughs> well, the the cool thing is, with this, you are actually helping me cover the very first Mirage story on the podcast. Like this is the first one. So, ironically, it's the second baby. one too. So. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> nice. Nice. So um this book actually has uh three different. This was just released. Uh I want to say December or is this the December one? December of uh 2021. This has uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue number two from Mirage, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles April O'Neill April o'neill Micro series, which is uh, issue number three by IDW and TMNT number 118, also by IDW. <laughs> So we can, we can um, jump into this one. Now, normally when I, I do the cover in the books, I'll go through and I'll do like a panel by panel with voices and stuff like that. So maybe I'll, I'll uh, come back and, and do that. But um, I mean, this is uh, iconic. This one is story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird art by Eastman and Laird and colors um, which were added afterwards by Tom Smith, Scorpion studios for the uh, colored classics. So they don't give me a date on that one. Unfortunately but um this uh this is kind of interesting do you uh do you recognize that first panel of the book with raphael
1: (laughs) oh heck yeah
0: yeah it's it's about uh probably the most famous picture that i think i've ever seen of the of the turtles with uh, raf with his two sides kind of like jumping in he's saying kiss your butt goodbye (laughs) and we see on the next panel um as it looks like donatello is trying to read the book Dune or no that's leo leo's trying to read dune sitting next to splinter who's watching tv and donnie who's working on a circuit board and mikey and raf are fighting in the background so um do you have uh you have a favorite turtle i know we talked about this before but just just for the record for notoriety who's your guy or or Uh, for
1: notoriety my my main squeeze out of the turtles is mikey i know that's so common but i just absolutely love him to pieces
0: it's funny because most of the people I've talked to, it's, it's definitely split, you know, and, and we find that, you know, it usually kind of equals out a little bit, but, um, the most common answer that I've gotten so far is probably Raf seconded by Leo. So, uh, oh, really? it, it just, it just kind of depends. And um, in, in an interview, uh, Kevin Eastman had said that when when he does these things at uh, like panels and he asks people to raise their hand for one particular turtle, it usually equals out to about 25 percent of the of the audience likes each particular type.
1: Oh, so it's equal across the board.
0: Yeah. And I always thought Mikey was the most popular, too. But then it's like there are some really adamant Donatello fans out there like they are passionate. And, and I mean, Raph, it's like I, I meet another person that loves Raph like every day.
1: So. <laughs> there are so many great Instagram accounts dedicated to loving Raph, actually. I oh, yeah, yeah. You've got a great Instagram following.
0: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I know Leo has one, but it's not as robust. So I, I imagine <laughs> it's because we're all spending time honing our skills and meditating that, uh, you know, we, we don't do that. So
1: of course, but Raph fans are rude and crude, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it's in yeah. your remind you he's the man.
0: <laughs> that's that's a great point. <laughs> so, so I'm going to put you on the spot here because I, um, I usually go to uh, the 2003 Michelangelo and when I do my Mikey voice and I do it kind of like this, you know, <laughs> with, horrible. <with>, <laughs> you know, um, what's, what's your Michelangelo voice? Like, who do you, who do you hear? And um, maybe, maybe if we could hear a little bit of it,
1: I don't, I don't do impressions. A, okay. I don't do a cool Michelangelo. <laughs> like all I can do is like Calabunga dude. And uh, my kids think it's very lame. I love the Nickelodeon series. It was uh, not not the rise of, the one that just came before that.
0: The Greg Sips?
1: Yeah, and I I actually got into it with my kids, and I thought it was okay. But the more I watched it, the more I fell in love with it. And I, I was a diehard fan of the previous Nickelodeon series that was a lot grittier and dirtier. And this one was a little bit more lighthearted and fun, but I really enjoyed it, actually. And I like um, the relationship in that one like I love Karai coming out in that one we don't really see her as much in the others so I really really enjoyed the relationships the turtles have with Karai with April with Casey in that one I thought it was really well done and I I love ice cream kitty I'm a a, a cute kitty in a freezer
2: (laughs) oh
0: she's the best I think um it I think I had ice cream kitty as like uh something in like, a, as a character in, like, the Ninja Turtles Legends game, you can get Ice Cream Kitty. And I'm like, oh, I'm totally getting that. You know,
1: That would be my only goal.
0: Yeah, yeah that was pretty sick. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that there, there's a lot of contention on this because people love the 87 series, usually up until, like, the last two seasons when it got, like, they call it the Red Sky version. Right. And then, yeah. like, the 2003 series is, like... That was what this IDW comic was pretty much based around. So it's like, if you like this, that's kind of where it came from. I and and it's so cool.
1: It is. But, and it was wonderful.
0: But, but this series, the Nickelodeon series is deep. I mean, it's it's well written. It's thought out. There's complex emotional relationships going on. And Donatello having his love triangle with Casey in (laughs) April and and you know, Leo and Karai. And you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Whoa, there's brother and sister now. It's like this is like watching Game of Thrones.
1: It's all kinds of wonderful messed up. And I love it is. I love that. Raph always says sewer apples it is a common <laughs> phrase in our house it's that's great uh, sewer apples and for a while we changed it to space apples while they were in space oh yeah! a lot of fun with this yeah
0: i i just think too it's like and you think about the shredder like if you could sh- if you could sum up the shredder in one scene it's that scene where the world's about to end and they ask shredder to help and he double crosses them just to kill splinter and then the turtles go off into space and all that and you're like huh that's why he is who he is. And that's all he ever thinks about. Faced with an insurmountable, you know, uh, sort of odd, he's going to complete his mission because he's that selfish of a person. And you're just well, like,
1: all wow. consuming. Yeah. And I, I know we talked about this briefly earlier, and I guess we won't go into it now, but we do see some really interesting stuff going on with IDW where it's kind of developing him in a way that he's never had a chance to be developed.
0: Yes. Yeah. Very, very Magneto-like. So very. You know, it's, it's pretty cool, but I guess we'll, we'll get to that. So, um, so um, no Mikey impression. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll list I
1: just suck at it. I really do.
0: <laughs> so this, this is kind of a classic story uh, and most of it involves how the turtles first meet April. So we, we see that on TV, Baxter Stockman is there talking to a news person who is not April um, about yeah. his mousers and, and he's kind of going into it. And um, I, I like this version of Baxter because the one I go to is the 2003 series. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's see, this little thing, Miss Hines is a fully operational rodent hunter seeker killer. We like to refer to as a mouser. So he's kind of like snooty and, and he's got like that, that um, air that he's better than everybody. And he's it's so arrogant. brilliant. Oh yeah, it absolutely. And, and Splinter's totally interested here because as a rat, you know, he's concerned with, you know, new developments and someone making the best rat catcher. And this is uh, the first time that we see April and she's referred to as his assistant and she opens up and puts five rats into the maze. And it, it's kind of interesting because I, I wonder if April would be morally opposed to this now, as opposed to 1984, you know? That's kind of a a difference in the character and maybe in the times, but um, I I don't know if if April from IDW would feel comfortable putting rats in there and letting the Mausers kind of chop them up.
1: It's a good question because she is a scientist in the IDW version, so but a scientist who has a moral compass, so that is a good point because I'm not sure how she would feel about it and I'm not sure if she might suggest a different way of testing this, for example.
0: Yeah. And it's it's funny, too, because in the IDW series, you know, Splinter saves her life and she gets that appreciation for him because he does so. And, you know, she's frightened by him and all that. And, and they, they spend a good issue developing the, that character relationship before we even see a mutated turtle. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I love the whole idea of what they did with that. So a little, little different here. You know, we've, we've got some monsters chomping on some on some rats and, you know, Sometimes Baxter's pretty critter, excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he just can't resist the, the point to uh, Grand Sand about how this is going to help New York City in the 80s with the rat problem. I mean, I, I think of like taxi driver at that point, like New York. <laughs> so, That's right.
1: Just very central to his character is that cloak of arrogance. He likes to keep tightly wound around himself.
0: And I can't think of who he looks like at this point, but I definitely have to give it up to Tyler Perry in that uh, 2016 <laughs> version. Because now, like for humans, that's exactly what I expect Baxter Stockman to look like. So say, say what days. you want about the movie. I I actually like that second one because of Bebop and Rocksteady mostly. So
1: I thought they were actually very well done. I know that movie gets a lot of hate, but I thought they were dead on.
0: Yeah, it's. You know, I, I think most of it comes down to the design of the turtles. Like, if it was a bit closer to what they were, I think more people would gravitate towards it. But they did a good job of giving us who the characters were as teenagers. So nah, I, I could, so. I could, you know, do without this, their design for Splinter, but like, it's
1: watchable,
2: <laughs> you know. But
1: you know what? If we compare that one to the one that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number three. Well, not technically named Turtles in Time, but a lot of people call it that. The writing is infinitely better. I mean, we have Donatello in that one swallowing a frog and asking if it's one of his ancestors. I mean, it was such a (laughs) the writing in that one compared to the writing in Out of the Shadows.
0: (laughs) I wonder if that was a Corey Feldman uh, ad lib.
1: (laughs) I don't know, but you know, it's so it's so far removed from Donatello and who he is as a character and his intelligence that I actually feel like out of the shadows did him more justice.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's so weird too. Like, like just thinking about that third film because it's like, okay, who's developing the relationship? Is it, is it Raph and Yoshi? Or is it, or is it Mikey in the kids? I'm like, I don't know. It's, I feel like you guys are mixing some stuff up there. It's a
1: weird hodgepodge of all kinds of things. And you're not really sure how you feel about anything at the end of that movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like, um, I liked Casey in the film. I feel like he was there trying to like reign everything together. And he's like, well, I'm here and I'm getting paid. That's like, all right, Elias, you go, you know, and, and we got to see more of him and we got to see him in the past. And I'm okay with that.
1: I am too. I think he was the only thing that was consistent, right? Whereas, it was a banging was like, soundtrack
0: too. I'll say that with Tarzan boy on it.
1: It totally was. <laughs> I agree.
0: And, and so. I think. I feel like there was a "Faith No More" song or something at the end too, but I don't. I I'm don't know. We're
1: googling this right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's the good thing. That's that's why the uh, the listeners can't see us googling. So,
1: I <laughs> just think we're super smart and know everything. Oh yeah,
0: and that's the magic of editing. <laughs> so in in the meantime, uh, Raph ends up uh, throwing Mikey into uh, into the bookcase, shattering everything. Gets on top of him. Mikey gets the best of them and actually flips them over. Smash. We see that Donnie, Leo, and Splinter are just like, oh, man. And um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they're like, oh, no, another piece of furniture. So and um, at this point, we get uh, Leonardo asking, um, what, are, what are we going to do about Dr. Stockman's mouser? And then Splinter says, we must be more cautious from now on. One more thing. Let me let me think on this a bit. And then we see a panel of the Mouser and he's going away to meditate, but then he can't go away without saying, um, oh, and Raphael and Michelangelo clean up this
2: mess,
0: (laughs) which is, uh, you know, it's, it's very like we've seen this scene play out many times, different turtles. I mean, the IDW series has, has like this exact moment in it when Raph first uh, shows up and starts training with them. So oh
1: absolutely. I,
0: I'm sure that's a that's a playoff on this and then this story gets played off in that issue which I want to say is like 4 or 5 or something.
1: It's a very dad moment and we always see these yeah. cute dad moments from Splinter, right?
0: Oh, he's the best dad. And and yeah. also the worst. Uh, wait, no, he's not the worst. We'll see the worst.
1: Well, i was going <laughs> to yes, say <we're> he's gonna... <laughs> He's got a competition there with Saki. <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's, he's not even the worst dad in in this book. So, we'll get to that. So we have uh, now um, back at uh, several weeks past, many rats are caught by Dr. Stockman's mousers, but also the city experiences a rash of bizarre bank robberies. April is questioning this. So this is the first time that we see some dialogue from April and she says, it says here that the police were baffled by these bank heists. They can't figure out how the vaults were tunneled into so swiftly and neatly, though concrete through concrete and steel. The tunnels were narrow that only a child could have crawled through them. And Baxter's Kind of trying to be aloof about this, and he's like, "Or a very small adult, April. Why are you boring me with this?" (laughs) Well, it's just that I've been thinking. The Mauser unit—they could have dug through a tunnel like that easily. Yes. Oh, come now, April. Why would the Mausers dig holes into bank vaults? You helped program them, remember? So he's trying to gaslight her at this point. But I
1: was going to say classic narcissist there, right? (laughs) Oh,
0: absolutely, and. And it's it's character development that they're planting the seeds for that. We see the same character characterized the same way in Last Ronin in 2021. Yeah, so, I mean, 30 years later, they're still nailing him. It's it's pretty great. And I just love him as a character because he's just so awful. And <laughs> he's just like he's a step ahead. He's like a low class Dr. Doom. You know, it's he, he can't he can't resist the the just that thrill of, uh, giving you villain splaining and all that.
1: No, so. he can't. And the thing is he is awful just because he can be, and he does say something to that effect in the next few pages. Right.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So he's, he's, uh, telling her at, at this point that, um, that there's a mother computer that controls everything. And, um, and she's kind of like, okay, I guess you're right. And then, uh, April, I assure you that no one else has control over the Mausers except you and I. Come on, I have something to show you. Well, I've never seen this elevator before. (laughs) No, this is different. What's that, Baxter? You'll see. And as they look on to what looks like hundreds of Mausers and all that, you know, as they're going down down, uh, below here, she's like, what's the security check for? Why are there so many Mausers? Where did you get all these? We only had money for two dozen. And there are more than 200 in this room and still more being assembled as we speak. But Baxter, how did you get the money for... Oh, no. Very good, April. Very perceptive. I would have been disappointed at anything less. Yes, those recent baffling bank robberies are my doing. With them and the aid of my Mausers, I've already stolen over $900,000. So she's, she's like just beside herself because at this point, she realizes that she helped create and program these things. And she is not about that life. As you mentioned about the moral compass, we see April has that moral compass.
1: Yeah, it is something that they carry forward in all of the issues that we're looking at, um, which I think is really interesting. And I think it's one of the reasons she aligns so well with the turtles, because they do break rules, Mm -hmm. but it's all to follow this moral compass, right? And Baxter is so the opposite,
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: He points straight to hell, let's say.
0: <laughs> and you she wonder what, what put him down that path at this point, because like the next thing that he says is that he's going to hold the city for ransom, you know, um, or he's going to take down these buildings. And she says to him, she's like, why would you do this when you could make millions legally? And, and he just says, because it's fun. I'm like, what a sociopath, you know? He
1: is. He's a t- like, you know how there's character development sometimes with Baxter. I think he's always just remain this genius sociopath because sometimes there is no reason there is there is like you know what did goes, they say in in the dark brain. night
0: some men just want to watch the world burn
1: yes that's exactly what alfred says yep. yeah and i feel like he is that character
0: it's so funny because again it's like you wouldn't expect him to have some sort of code or anything else like that and he does something here that's like super unexpected and and i wouldn't have expected this in a comic let alone a comic in 1984 but he lets april go with like a head start which is really odd like it's always struck me as like oh that's a such a weird operation but he did it in the cartoon as well and you know different than the 87 cartoon but he did it in the the 2003 cartoon and it, it's it's weird it's like he gets this thrill of the hunt or thrill of something else so there's like more things going on with him well it's he's just always such so an odd overconfident, guy.
1: right like oh, he's yeah. so sure he's gonna get her go ahead have have this head start i'm still gonna rip you to pieces
2: oh yeah so
1: he's, he's just so in insanely sick you can't help but love what a greasy dirty character he <laughs> is and he's he's so you know polished on the outside which is what makes his insides even more slimy and disgusting right
0: it's it's so funny because when when you said like the confidence and all that i think of him sitting in the limo with general krang and like he's having a drink and and krang's like this is like the second time you failed me don't fail again he's like oh i won't it wasn't me it was hob or you know anything else like and i'm like wow he just cannot accept that he lost or didn't do it it's like he just doesn't
2: see that
1: He has that classic narcissist profile where nothing is his fault and he is just such a genius, right? He just, no one believes more in Baxter Stockman than Baxter Stockman, which is why he'll give you a head start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's a good point. April uh, at this point realizes she can't get back up the elevator. So she uh, slams the doors to try to get away from the Mausers and ends up going down a trapdoor into a storm drain. So uh, it's gross. It stinks. Uh, and I guess it, it recently rained. So it's a foul smelling hole, as she calls it. So we find her crawling through the sewers at this point, And Baxter has the whole place wired. He's watching her like running man, you know, and we see that he's got her vitals up on his screen like he's playing a video game.
1: It's almost like Hunger Games at this point, right? Oh yeah,
0: yeah. That's probably a, that, that's a more relevant <laughs> thought to mine. I'm like Running Man. Remember in the eighties? Yes.
1: I saw Running Man, but yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Kill again, kill. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he he acts like uh, he did this on purpose, saying that he tricked her to go into the storm drain tunnels, and it, and it gives him uh, time to program her imminent demise. And he goes, hmm, how many should I send after her? Three, five, ten? Maybe three will be plenty. <laughs> Delightful. Irony slain by the very technological marvels which her computer skills made possible. And I, I thought that was an important piece because he mentioned her computer skills. Yes. So, And this is, this is the first bit that we get of April. And in 1984, she's a computer whiz. So we know she's got to be smart and she's, she's into this. So
1: well, and for Baxter to have hired her given his IQ for him to recognize her own genius and hire and pick her, it actually says something.
0: I like it. It's, um, and, and there's this test and I can't think of what the test is, but, um, the test is if, uh, there's a uh, female characters that are in a book and, um, or in any sort of subject material and their main goal is to be a, uh like a romance interest of something like that, then it doesn't pass that test. So I'll I'll have to look up what that's called, but um, it's one of those things. And it's like starting out from the get-go, we have a capable female character in 1984, you know, who is not defined by a relationship. She's defined by her skills and her actions, which is super progressive for comics at the time.
1: It is. And immediately she's speaking up, right? Exactly. You know, she's- she's... figuring this out and, and horrified by it.
0: And I think this is one of the reasons that April's always been such a strong character because she has that voice, you know, and, and this is this is Kevin and Peter, you know, speaking through this character. And, and I mean, like everything that they've pulled from, whether it's like Wonder Woman or Big Barda or... Um, I'm trying to think maybe Black Canary at the time and Electra, like these sort of characters and all that all very different and diverse. But like there's little elements of all of that that's kind of like put into April, and which I think is cool because now 30 something years later, she's a character that people pull from and be like, oh, I'd really like to make someone like April O'Neil.
1: Well, and she's been a really good example for all the women who got into comics. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time you don't find yourself represented or you think, hey, yeah, that's a really hot character. She's gorgeous. But you don't like what that character necessarily does.
0: Yeah. And she doesn't have to be there and just look cute, you know?
1: No, that's it. And I mean, April had so many choices there when she found out what Baxter was doing. She could have tried to get in on it and, you know, continue programming mousers, maybe make a few bucks she could have decided to run away right then and there or tried to. She was standing there and, and basically telling him off for what he's doing.
0: Yep. That's fancy. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's also the fact that she's taking a stand, first of all, against her boss, which is, is like, that's, that's huge to itself. And then against someone who's doing something reprehensible and could potentially be hurting people. So, I mean, this, this is a strong character who's going to have a strong influential voice for years to come. So.
1: Yes, from the very beginning.
0: So she's she's running away, and it, it doesn't take very long for the Mausers to get her. We can see that the, the red lights on their heads are shining on her, and they found her, and she is cornered. And there's only three of them at this point. And then, you know, just like uh, probably very similar to the uh, the movie scene, how we – we um. We see she gets uh, taken by the thugs. You know, it's kind of dark, but then you like hear some things. We see it looks like a bow staff crashes the light on top of one. One's head gets uh, cut off and then the other one gets a sigh right through the sensor. And April's just looking on as she sees Leonardo, Raphael and Donatello made quick work of these and they're just looking at her. And um, see the next part. She just I can't deal with this and just passes out.
1: And part of me used to hate that. I'd be like, oh, damsel in distress. But then if I think about it in if realistically, what would I have done? <laughs> she probably just had adrenaline crash because she was running from these mousers and here these giant turtles are saving her. And that's so, totally
0: fair. fair too. Enough. Yeah. Like, like in what you're saying too, it's like in terms of the reaction, you know, we're, we're at a point where it's like, we have to accept that she did that. But again, after like talking about the buildup for that, we have the character, maybe it's not like that. Who knows? So but um, we we definitely see her wake up and uh, Splinter's there. And it looks like, uh, let's see, who's it, it's kind of hard to tell who these guys are, but it looks like uh, Michelangelo is next to him with Raphael. And um, they, um, they kind of uh, discuss what's happening. And she's like, oh, my God, you guys are real. Where am I safe in our home? Who? My name is Splinter and I am a rat. I am also the teacher of these turtles who rescued you. And they do the classic in, you know, uh, introduction, Leonardo, Donatello, and Raphael. And this is also Michelangelo, who was here at home with me. And he's like, I, I. find that very funny. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like, I feel this is the scene from the movie, from the 1991 uh, movie, where it's like, oh, okay. But they go into like, instead of doing a whole brand new retread, like maybe a Batman or a Spider-Man comic, you know, they're just like, oh, see issue number one for the origin of the Ninja Turtles. I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. I'm like, we're in this. Great. <laughs> and she's digging it. She says, what a fantastic story. An hour later, because it takes an hour, you know, and um, I mean, she's not running away. The, the scientist in her is, is just interested and they saved her. So she's very, she's very grateful. And she's just sitting there talking to Splinter and just enjoying the experience. You know, and not to mention the fact that she's living in a sewer right now and completely covered in muck. And it's just gross.
1: <laughs> it is gross. Like, if you look at her her purple outfit here, you're like, oh, somebody needs dry cleaning badly.
0: <laughs> and, and it's funny, too, because she had a yellow jumpsuit that was almost exactly similar in the cartoon. So it's like, all right, purple, yellow. It's kind of similar.
1: But she's well, wearing yellow shoes. I don't know if you noticed. I don't oh. know if they pulled that.
0: Yeah. Um, and I know it's too early to have them be Crocs, but let's see, I can see them on that one, but let's see if I can see these, these shoes. Cause I'm like, is she just wearing like flats or something? Yeah, it must be. Yeah. Okay. Or like, uh, I don't know, I guess the shoes aren't important, but still it's, I don't know. The nerd in me kind of wants to know, I'm like, what is she wearing? Are those Tom's? What is she you know, <laughs> yeah. I want those shoes. Yeah. That's uh, just for the cosplay. Yeah. I,
1: I really do like the question she asks though. She, she asked them what purpose will inspire your lives now. So think about it. Like she's just sitting, having like a real soul to soul with these guys that just saved her.
0: It's super existential too, to ask someone that you just met when you, you've heard them. So, but um, I, so? I, that's probably the start of the bond with Splinter because he recognizes something in her that she's, she's looking beneath their appearance and maybe I'm that. reading too much into that. I don't know, but still, you know, well, it's, instead of just, it's a great know, question.
1: I, I just—it struck me as such an interesting question, and how she was really looking for the purpose of their lives instead of just gawking at them as freaks. Right? Mm-hmm. She was. She's totally immersed in this conversation and really wants to know.
0: I would have a thousand questions myself. So, and <laughs> you know, most would be completely inappropriate. But it's just like so. Uh, oh, no pants. No, <laughs> Yeah, um, and, and he even points it out and says it's a great question. But immediately at that time, we get our, um, you know, ex machina in the story where uh, a uh, shadowy figure that April recognizes as Baxter Stockman comes on to issue a warning uh, Greetings, citizens of New York. Who I am is not important. Well, not as important as what I'm prepared to do. I intend to extort $1 billion from the major businesses of New York City. How I intend to do this, you say? Simple, by systematically holding hostage every corporate headquarters building in this city. If I am not paid the ransom for I set for each building I pick, then one by one I will demolish them. The air will shudder with the sounds of tortured, twisted steel, shattering glass, and exploding stone. Now, that I sh- now just to show that I'm not jesting, and to show that I'm not a cheap kind of guy, I'm going to give you a freebie. I have in my hand a small model of the Rextab building. It's a real life counterpart is downtown Manhattan vacant, except for a few small offices. Since the previous owners vanished mysteriously, it will cease to exist at 3 PM today as he crushes it in his hands. And tomorrow at 3 PM, one of the world trade center towers will topple unless I'm paid $20 million. So that's it's um, kind of prophetic in a way, too. It's like, wow, this has always been kind of a thing with the World Trade Center. I, I had no idea back in 1984. So but I, I mean, I can't even remember the last time I read this. But Baxter is serious and he's going to he's going to take this building down just to prove his point.
1: And he is kind of a terrorist. It's funny that we make that connection. Mm-hmm. But really, what is he doing? He's acting almost as a terrorist.
0: And I, I always go back to, like, this is, it's it seems like it's something that happened in the cartoons in the 80s more than than um, the comics. But the idea of going on TV to meet, to, like, reach people, now, you know, since since the invention of the internet, it's just like, well, why would you even do that and all that? And now there's just, like, so many ways that you can reach people, whether it's, like, YouTube or, you know, um, like, streaming live or something like that. So it's it's so weird that it's, like, this was that trope that existed for so many years and you, you kind of forget about it too.
1: It's so antiquated, but it's. Also, <laughs> I think it is really funny because we were talking about his arrogance and his narcissism. So he's going to tell everybody what he's going to do. And mm-hmm. he's confident enough that he's still smarter than everybody to pull it off, even oh, though yeah. he showed his cards, right?
0: Yeah. He's totally pulling a Riddler move. He totally know, like, is. Like he's like, you know, here I am. Um, the the one thing that he did differently is that he obscured his face, so you couldn't see and make out who he was. So didn't obscure his voice, and he's like within a couple weeks been on television. So somebody's going to figure it out. But again, like this sort of hubris of this guy was like, oh, I'm smarter than everyone. No one would ever figure that out.
1: And he's Very, actually um, made the point of having. Like an exact exact replica of the yeah. building he's going to destroy. I'm like, did he have a crony make that? Oh, yeah.
0: make no, no. He totally stayed up making this thing <laughs> and it had to be perfect to scale and all of you that. And it. he couldn't <laughs> have done any of this until he had that building perfect to scale. And there's test buildings because when he squeezed with his hand, you know, <laughs> he, like he had to make sure that it went the right way. He's like, oh, this will not do, you know, so like this whole time between everything that happened, um, he, he had to have that. So that's, that's what, so luckily April figured that. everything out, but yeah, he's, he has many of these models.
1: He's got like the theater of narcissism <laughs> down pat, right?
0: He has the Beetlejuice uh, house in his, <laughs> in his <laughs> attic.
1: <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so we see, um, as, uh, the, uh, the reporter is covering this, he's like, oh, nothing's happening. And then of oh, a sudden, so good Lord. Oh no. And, and then everything comes down just as Baxter has said. And, and April's just beside herself in tears. Oh, God, Baxter, no. And then, you know, um, it says Jonan Splinter. So and, and I, I don't usually see him called Jonan, but I, I think that's a, a term that refers to like a master. So yeah. this man is mad and he must be stopped. And April's just sobbing and, and um, Splinter asks her, do you think you can find your way back to the lab? And she says that she thinks so. There's a turtle's that's gear it. up and they're ready to go.
1: I was gonna say this is massive for her too because she is probably feeling all this guilt because she did program those monsters, right
2: yeah so yeah she was Baxter, a huge part of it
1: yeah Baxter's cackling on one hand and here we have somebody reacting in a much more humane way just heartbroken about her part in this
0: and and it's funny too because it it's also that question of you know um you go back to like Jurassic park and it's like, you spend all this time thinking about, you know, what you could do versus, you know, if you should do it. So she had completely uh, virtuous uh, thoughts going into this. She's like, Oh, what I'm going to do is going to help people. You know, there's a, there's a problem because of the garbage and the rats and rats bring pestilence and plague. And so, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help people. And he took that and twisted it. So it's not just the fact that her work is doing this. It's, the fact that like her trust is completely shaken at this point you know um she doesn't know what to think or believe so luckily she's in in there with splinter and and the guys and you know that that's going to be a good influence
1: it's funny how mutant turtles and a talking rat are grounding at this point you you know (laughs) like good point everything (laughs) she ever believed just went up in the air so why not believe in these guys and for some reason they're just like a center of goodness and wholeness and grounding for her
0: that's, that's an excellent point. They are, they are her grounding.
1: <laughs> Which, like I said, is kind of odd, but it works.
0: <laughs> so um, they, find, they find the tunnel. They go in. They go up the, uh, the door that she fell through, like the trap door. Leo sneaks up. Your reign of terror has ended, Stockman. As he puts a blade right up to his face. Just getting right in there on him. And Baxter Stockman, he says, who, who are you? How did you get in here? As they see April, who's standing there again, looking absolutely filthy. Um, they came with me, Baxter, to help stop your schemes, which is a great sort of old comic sort of term and all that. And I, I just love it. It's like, April, you're still alive. Don't make another move or don't move another inch, bucko. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: another, another great one. As Leo's holding that sword right up to him. Um, in the previous issue, he beheaded the shredder so this leo is no joke like and and he will take you out if he has to so and, and we get um
1: but he'll call get, you bucko while he does oh yeah
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah he's he's into like watching um i don't know old movies i guess that'd say bucko so.
1: i think he probably likes old westerns i'm imagining leo's a clint eastwood fan
0: oh of course yeah you know he's into all the classics you know and um they're they're talking to him and baxter is kind of uh trying to figure out a way out he ends up getting the better of uh michelangelo and then leo by hitting him with a knee to the midsection which i imagine has gotta hurt if you're hitting a turtle because of that carapace that they have that's like really tough
1: but they have all those like i don't know if we call them band-aids but you know they have their wrappings around their knees so maybe maybe it's not as bad as we think
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe. So he he uh, knees him in the gut and then um, goes over to activate his uh, his system. And then um, looks like who's got him there, probably Raph. And he goes, ah, you're too late, freak. <laughs> I've locked it into the self-destruct program, because obviously when you're an evil person, that's going to you know blow stuff up. You're going to have an exit plan that consists of a self-destruct system.
1: Obviously. Right. Why not? <laughs> you, you have
0: to tie up all loose ends. It's in the manual. So he's like, ha you'll all die now. And they're like, well, you'll die too. And he's like, eh, you know, he's like, he's just kind of hap- like, if you see like the, the picture on his face as he's being just like throttled by, um, I don't know if that's Leo at this point, but he's just like, Raph, shut this guy up. And like the look on his face is just like absolute like maniac. And then uh, the next panel that we see is Raf holding his fist because he's knocked him unconscious and broken his glasses. <laughs> so he's, he's out cold at this point. And this is um, this next scene is so important because it characterizes uh, just just two people, and it's going to be like their their ongoing sort of um, idea. Like we get a little bit from Donatello fixing a circuit board, so we know oh Donnie likes machines. Donnie's pretty smart and all that. But it's not just Donatello at this point that's trying to figure out how to stop this. It's Donnie and April working together on it, and and they they're throwing all kinds of stuff out. You know, like, oh, um, and, and I, I guess we'll get to that in a second. But in the meantime, as uh, Raph and Leo and Mikey are trying to get out, they notice that the elevator is not opening and Raph pries it open. And they see that it's absolutely full of rocks. So all the excavations and stuff like that have uh, just caved in and um, they're stuck in the building. They can't get out. So with a self-destruct, like the, the stakes could not be higher. So everything at this point is going to rest on what they can do to stop these guys. Mikey's messing around, and he ends up finding some plastic explosives. As, and, <laughs> because
1: and this of is, course Baxter had those, right? Yeah.
0: So it's it's funny because this is the first time that this has happened. This will not be the last time this scene happens. No. If um, in Infestation two, um, that's Mikey's like going through, and and he ends up finding like a whole bunch in the mine, and they end up using that to stop this uh, ancient sort of cthulhu type god stuff too but i just i had to chuckle and i'm like they brought that back i'm like i love it he's like yeah what are these (laughs) so so they're going around trying to figure out what's going on and um leo is telling them to put it on all of the supports. so if they blow it then they can uh, knock down um the tunnels the issue that they have is it's not just a self-destruct system All of the Mausers are now programmed to attack April and the turtles.
1: Because of course they are.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and, I mean, this is scary. Like if if you've ever seen that, like those single red dead eyes just lighting up in the dark, coming towards them and all that. It's frightening. Absolutely.
1: He sent three after April and they almost made made out of her. Mm -hmm. You've got how many hundreds here? That's terrifying.
0: Yeah. So at least, at least 200. And it's like, if you've ever played the turtles video game, you know how nasty these things are. They get stuck on you and you have to shake them off. And you know, it's, it's tough. And I mean, 200 of them has got to be exhausting. So. Well,
1: and they're just nonstop, right. They don't need to stop and rest like, like any humanoid creature would. They're restless.
0: Well, they're teenagers. So they've got energy. You know, they've I imagine they sleep till <laughs> noon and get they up and some
1: pizza earlier. Yeah. They're all good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. And um, neat thing about Leo here is that he doesn't have the dual swords on his back. He's got one samurai sword kind of set up where he like pulls it out from his side like uh, like uh, maybe yeah. like a Usagi Jimbo has or anything. That's pretty neat. He's going at town because they've uh, got there. He's got to hold them off while they blow the tunnel. So everybody gets uh, pushed back in while Leo is, is holding things off and then they jump in at the last minute and uh, explode the tunnel, buying them some time. So, and then um, in the meantime, we go back to, um, to uh, Donnie and April. He's like, damn, that didn't work. Try this. Oh, not so good. How's it going? Uh, And then it's uh, Mikey's gets called because they're, they're uh, starting to get through the rubble. So the rest of the turtles are going to hold them off. And Mikey's going to town while uh, Donnie and uh, April are trying to create something and Baxter's sick, but he's quite brilliant. His fail safes in, colludion electrical overload that burned out these lots of circuits I'm like okay i don't know what that means but donnie does then you april like picks had up to on give it. him a
1: compliment there like he, donnie always compliments oh yeah Daxter and continually always does he's just so sick but he's brilliant and he
0: does this he does the same thing with the uh, was it is it it's not chuck is it um uh harold he does the same thing with harold
1: he does. you know and it's
0: like oh you're crazy but thank you so like, oh, thank you <laughs>
1: Like, it's a constant Donnie problem that he doesn't um, separate genius from right and wrong a lot of the time. And we do see that developed in the IDW comic. And I really think it's funny that it's already here, right?
0: And Donnie is all about human connection. And, or, or not just human, but any any type of character. And, and they really make a point to say that about Mikey in the IDW series, because Mikey is the quote-unquote heart. But yes. if you look at this, every single time that Donnie has had some sort of conflict, it's because he was reaching out for some sort of friend, whether it's Metalhead or, you know, yeah. if it's what Harold, happened like with Harold and, and yeah. Baxter and like being betrayed and all that. And and there's so many parts like that. He's just always looking for someone that he can rely on. He even somewhat gets betrayed a little bit by Mona Lisa, you know, go, going forward. So, so, so I, I, I just.
1: I think he's interesting. Cause he reminds me of the tin man. Yes. Like, you know, he's all about logic and, and mechanics and all these things, but he always wants to find this beating heart, right? He
0: oh, needs- that's so cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a great illusion. I love that. You know, and, and you've got uh, the cowardly lion a little bit and the <laughs> scarecrow a little bit. So, you know, I, I could, I could see that actually with, with these guys that, that they kind of fill those
2: roles.
1: They do kind of. And, you know, when I think about him, a lot of us think of him as the brain, but we don't realize how much heart Donnie always shows and that he is always yearning to have a friend, to have a connection, to have somebody understand him. And I think that's really central to who he is.
0: Yeah, that's that's such a good theme, too, that you see in in uh, Turtles comics, where it's all about found family and, and things like that. And later on, when Casey comes into it and you know, um, well, they get close and obviously he and Raph are the closest, but he gets very close with Donatello and, and we see that in the movie as well. Yes,
2: so we it
0: fits in so well with like that found family sort of theme. I think so. And uh, we, we hear a little bit of techno speak from, from April as well. I, I know it's frustrating about um, how about whipping up a quick virus program that would infect the system and kill it? Like, great. If you know how to do that, April, that's awesome. You know, and he's he's questioning. He's like, oh, no, it's it's going to take too much, too much time. And she says, blast as uh, the turtles are like, we're running out of time. These these robots over here, they're, you know, we're trying to do our best. There's 200 of these things. And she's like, wait a minute. Or uh, looks like uh, Donnie figures out. Wait a minute. The Mausers are controlled by radio. Why? Yes. The computer's instructors are are beamed into each radio receiver. If we can somehow shut down all the power, the transmitter here will stop broadcasting the computers ordered to the Mausers, assuming, of course, that the transmitter is part of the system. We've got to try it. So as uh, now it's starting to get a little more dire as uh, the turtles are fighting the Mausers. We don't know if it's oil or blood because it looks like blood, you know, um, but we see beads of sweat on everybody between Leonardo and April and Donnie, who are just trying to get this done. And they know that the self-destruct system is coming.
1: Yeah, this is getting to be life or death and everybody's realizing it.
0: And I think this is this is definitely my favorite. This splash page that, that comes here is like uh, one of the second to last ones where there's all of these Mausers and they're just getting destroyed by uh, Leo and Mikey and Raph. And it is a gorgeous page. Like, it
1: is, but it's also scary because you get a sense that on the other side, like where where the image stops, there are just so many more waiting
0: yeah and in the perspective on it like look at the perspective where it's like it leads to like the the lit room where the other two are in there so they're like doing their best to protect them and it's just so cool like it's it's such a good storytelling item and it's like these guys just figured this out from reading years and years of comics i'm like it just shows you how brilliant peter and kevin were together
1: oh they absolutely were to come up with this And it's so gripping because right now, like, I don't know about you, but my, even though I know how this ends, I'm right into it. And I feel like my heart beating a little bit faster.
2: I get you. It could be the coffee. It
1: could be be like cup number eight.
0: (laughs) But it's so it's so tense, though, because you you get to the next page and and Leo's like, oh, no, they're coming too fast. Uh, Fall back to the lab. We've got to run. And then we see the beads of sweat. It's this flop sweat that's on on April. It's so much more intense now. And on Donnie and they're both feeling it. They're they're in the same moment together at the same thing, trying to do whatever that they can.
1: I love oh, no. that it's unflattering girl sweat. You know yeah, what I mean? It's totally, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my like God. This, it
0: looks like a spray bottle sort of sprayed on her. You know, it's it's like, it's there, it's dramatic. It is emphasized, so. Oh, yes. And, and she's saying, oh no, this program is set to shut off the power, starting with the, the least essential systems. You mean, yes, the Mauser's radio transmitter will be the last to shut down. And then Leo comes in, Donatello, on my command, close the tunnel doors close those suckers oh it's no good leo they're already starting to come through the walls you know and and these guys are just trying to figure out what's going on they are ready to go we've seen this in the last Ronin. turtles die with honor and then yeah, we
1: have like the mousers punching through the walls like, oh yeah yeah yeah
0: it's it's crazy it's tense you know the lights go out hey I guess it worked (laughs) it's like the last page the last panel there's a little there's a match lit and leo's holding it up and we can see that everybody's okay there's there's mausers that are just you know destroyed in there and it says the end so it's donnie it's mikey it's raff holding a uh holding a a husk of a of a mouser head and then leo just with the match as as looks like they made it now they have to figure out how to get out
1: i love april's face there (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, she's
0: she's relieved and you know wiping that sweat off her brow as she's uh, just standing there. And another really great picture. I I uh, really envy who owns the original artwork to this because it's uh it's got to be just absolutely beautiful in person. It must be. That's really cool. That's right. So that's the end of uh, our first story, which is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number two, the Mirage book. So, um, obviously I liked it. You know, um, what are what are your thoughts? Uh, good story timeless story like what do you think anything they could have done better
1: you know i think we have the immediate juxtaposition of hero and villain like there's no monkeying around there's no taking their time with this it's very obvious who the good guys and bad guys are um, april i guess for all intents and purposes she's she ties in the story she's what connects the bad guy to the good guy in this case um And, you know, if I just read this, I would wonder where she would go from there. I mean, obviously, I know where she does. But I think it's a very interesting story because you wonder now how it's going to go forward. I think it gets everybody really interested. It pits people against each other. Um, And I think it's so action packed. You read it and you're hardly breathing. You're just turning the pages. (laughs) What happens next? And I feel like a lot of the turtle comics do that. Where, you know, you're almost breathless trying to get to the end and you're caught up in all this action and you almost feel like you're sweating and battling, which is something I feel like is, um, I won't say it's unique to TMNT, but I feel like it is their niche, like,
2: yeah. Yeah. There's
1: great storytelling, but there's also all of this crazy battle going on all the time. It's not like a very peaceful comic.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and a lot of it is based on the martial arts action. So it's it's not just like, oh, Captain America punches someone in the face. It's like, oh, you could tell that technique and you could imitate that technique and be like, oh, that's a rising phoenix, phoenix punch or something. Like, exactly. they do such a good job with that, at least in the later series. Like, they really start going into all that. Here, it's kind of a little different, but... Yeah, but It's um,
1: amazing how much story they can weave yeah. into all of this action. Like here we have them almost dying.
0: <laughs> Several <But> then, times.
1: <laughs> sometimes. But I mean, we also have Donnie and April working together. We get an idea of how they will their future relationship will be. We get that April is smart and capable on her own. And she doesn't necessarily need the turtles as a crutch. They enhance one another. They don't necessarily... I want to say they don't save each other, but they do. But I'm saying they're kind of all equals. Yeah. You don't, you know, you don't feel bad for her. Like, oh, she's the weak one in the group.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there are times that you kind of get that. And I think starting out in the 87 cartoon, you feel that way. But then yes. when that becomes something a little different, when um, like they, and I was, I was telling you about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle adventure comics, like the Archie ones that I loved, yeah, she becomes great. this whole other thing. Where it's like she's she's this uh, globe trotting reporter that carries a samurai sword and fights dragons and aliens and mutants like Kill and,
1: Bell, right? Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> like she's she's flat out amazing. And then, and then you see her in other things like the TMNT movie in two thousand seven, and then what happens where she starts uh, uh, training with the fan, the Tessen, um, in the twenty twelve cartoon. And, and actually, even in the the rise of the TMNT, where she's this this character that has, like, different abilities and stuff like that, and it's like, yeah, even then, they kind of nailed it. So I, I don't think I've seen, like, a bad version of April. Maybe maybe in the video games, where she just keeps getting captured. Yeah, but, that's um,
1: ridiculous. Where yeah. she's like Princess Peach in those ones.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where she gets taken
0: by Bowser and all that, so... Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's a good
2: point.
1: But I, I think, like, for... An introduction to a character I think it's amazing and when you end that you think okay well they survived what now and that's just it I I would I'm I am hooked on it I'm always hooked on the what next what now yeah something that they they managed to keep consistent which is amazing for a comic that's been running for so long yeah IDW what what number are we we're in the 120s or 130s now and I think we're at
0: 129 as of this recording so yeah, yeah,
1: and I'm always going, what next? the <laughs> next one. I, I need it. What happens? <laughs> so I think it was a brilliant comic from, from inception. Because and this, you, is,
0: this is the one where it's like, they realized they hit it big with number one, and but they kind of dead-ended it. So they had to make this one a bit more open-ended. So that's probably why this one ended how it did.
1: Well, and I think it was a great ending because you're so invested. <laughs> you oh, know, I you agree, have, yeah. And you're like, whoof with them there, right? Like, oh my God, let me wipe off this very yucky sweat and just, I can't believe we're alive. This is great. Where do we go from there?
0: Yeah, I hadn't read this one in, in at least a couple of years and I was just like right back there. And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is what I love. I love what it is now. I love what it was, where it came from and all that. And it's just, it's so worthy. And I was just so happy to read it.
1: It just holds up well over time. Not everything holds well over time
0: like the word blast and, you know, it's like some of the stuff in the TV trope and all that. It's like- I
1: still love bucko. <laughs> yeah,
0: bucko. Yeah, bucko. So it's the, I, I still think of Chris Evans whenever I hear bucko. <laughs> bucko. <laughs> let's, um, let's move on to our next part of the book here, which is the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles April O'Neill Micro Series, issue number three, right? So this okay. is uh, the IDW series. And um, this one, the art- let's see the story is by Barbara Randall Kessel and the art was by Marley Zarcone, with colors by Heather Brickell. So, and, um, and this one kind of starts out and it's very much in the style of the first arc of the turtles from IDW, which was Mm -hmm. like the, the, the art that there, and then it kind of changed a little bit right when it got to this point, but um, it starts out and we see April who is running from some ninjas and April is a female Ninja turtle. She's got the red hair and all that, and suddenly you know she wakes up.
1: This? I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, you. no worries. You know funny in this. Look at the color of her mask.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is yellow. Like that is uh, that's a good take.
1: Yeah, that always cat- catches me. I'm like, hmm, are we um, are we making space for Jenica?
0: <laughs> well, that's that's her coding too. with That color, like if you look at yeah. the the cover of the book, Rachel's in a or if, if April April's in a uh, yellow yellow trench coat. Yes. You know, she's, she's representing that Jubilee sort of look.
1: She but totally yeah. is. But I, I didn't even
0: weird. notice that until you said it. I'm like,
1: huh. picking up on that. I was like, why is Jenica yellow? What does it remind me of? And then I was like, oh yeah. April's signature color has been yellow.
0: Yeah, this, this predates that at this point. I don't know what the publication date, but I mean, that was Jenica's first appearance as a turtle is four years to five years away from this at this point. It and um, Jenica's first appearance is like two to two and a half years away at this point. So the idea was always there, it seems. And it I does. guess that's that's what Tom had said, is that it was his goal from the get go to create a fifth in female turtle. To find a way to relate to other people who didn't have sort of like, like, um, like a turtle that would represent them. So, right.
1: Well, and and I the, find it funny because a lot of people are really pissed right off about Jenica. When you're like, she was kind of always in the work somewhere. Yeah. You know.
0: It it only makes sense too that she's going to be different from them and be somewhat of an outcast and be just kind of like oh, well, I was human and I had that life and I was an assassin and I had that life and I was a thief and a street punk and I had that life and now I'm a turtle and I have this life. I'm like, that's really representative of who she is as a person. Like, she just seems to go through these phases and you're like, all right, well, that's kind of cool. Like, I get it. And, and when I had a chance to talk to Bram Ravel, the um, artist and the writer of the first Genica series, I asked yeah. him where he got a lot of this stuff from. And, you know, he, he was the one who really had to flesh out that character that that Tom laid out. And he's like, well, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of history. And it makes sense that, you know, we would have these deep ties to relationships and things like that. And just her feeling abandoned constantly. So looking for, you know, Splinter and before that Shredder and their approval, like that's going to be part of her psyche. And I'm like, that's perfectly said, like, I get it. I get who she is. And then we get into like the, the Sophie Campbell era where we see her and it's like, she's trying to find acceptance with new friends. She's trying to find acceptance and learn a new skill so she can hang out with her friend, the pig, I forget her name, you know, and, um, (laughs) it's like, and, and all these things and it's like, yeah, she's just a really, really cool character. And, and, um, she does come across as like, all right, she's part Donatello, part Leonardo, part michelangelo and part raphael lot part raphael but, she's
1: got a lot of wrath there yeah, so, yeah she's
0: she's not like the same character and i'm like that's kind of cool you know and, and i and, like that about her a lot
1: i think the turtles always made anybody who felt like an outcast feel like they had a home but i feel like Jenica really makes other people feel that way because she she didn't grow up with them she's not part of that brotherhood right yeah so it's for those of us who are on the outsides of other families, other groups of friends, other things. And we don't necessarily feel accepted yet. We are in Jenica's shoes. And I feel like she made me relive, you know, being a teenager all over (laughs) again. I I love the turtles because they always made me feel like you could find a home, even if it's unconventional and your dad is a rat, (laughs) (laughs) even, even strange people can find homes. Right. And I feel like with Jenica now that I'm 40, right, and I'm starting different parts of my life over, I feel like on the periphery of some things, and I feel like she made sense to me and made the Turtles make sense all over again. Nice. Because she she is that character, and I think we can all be in her shoes at some point in our life.
0: Hey there, Turtle fans. Check out BigCountryComics.com for the exclusives and variants that you're looking for. ...featuring the art of Mike Ruth and Hugh Rookwood. You can find graded books, Funko Pops and Figures, statues... ...even Big Country Comics exclusives. Books from Aftershock, Boom, Image, DC Comics, IDW... ...everything from Swamp Thing to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle covers. You can get them raw, remarked, signed, even slabbed, ...available at BigCountryComics.com. Don't forget, buy one, get one 50% off on graded books... And dudes, be sure to use our code EPICSHELL for an extra 15% off of your order. Check out bigcountrycomics.com. Yeah, no, I, I think that's perfect. And, and this is by far the most philosophical e- episode that we've done. So, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, no, it's, no it's, it's great. And, and, um, and, With with this, I mean, it's great to have like a good perspective on what Jenica means as a character and just how she she represents uh, the things that she does, because we we don't usually get that. Like most of the stuff that we get is like, oh, I've got to I've got to kill this person and I've got to assassinate this. And that's that's all kind of that you see in the beginning parts with her. And it takes, like I said, a good two and a half to three years for them to develop her. And then at that point, is she defined by her relationship with Casey or is she defined by her relationship with Splinter? You know, different kinds of relationships, obviously. She even
1: has like a uh, not a not a romantic relationship, but a relationship with Mikey, where I remember, you know, Mm -hmm. at one point they got ice cream for all the kids. So she's she's this interesting character where you never know what she's going to do because she was so deeply loyal to splinter but then she'd do something kind that was kind of out of the wheelhouse of what she's supposed to do exactly supposed to behave
0: and she's supposed to be a hard ass and all that but she has that that uh deep sort of empathy for things and people and all that and that, that comes back uh we'll definitely have to do another Jenica episode and all that. i'll have to have yeah. you back for that. One. i'm
1: thinking about the battle of the bands <laughs> that we mentioned oh yeah year, but i'll drop it for now <laughs> april was there april was there
0: but <laughs> but go, going back to to april because we're talking about april and april at this point is the fifth and female ninja turtle she wakes up oh no no oh, no more pizza at bedtime Strange dream, like my reality. It it just isn't strange. So and, and we're seeing her. She wakes up and you know, she's got her long red hair. This is the IDW version. You know, we, we see her and she's sitting in the van. Um, very, very classic. She's sitting in that yellow Volkswagen turtle van wearing and, a um, yellow shirt. <laughs> yep, totally. Again, coated yellow. You know, it's April. You're gonna know her because of her red hair, and she's wearing yellow and she's talking to the turtles and they stink and we we know this because they live in sewers and this i'm just glad that someone addressed it because it's one of those things they must smell you know they're
1: teenage boys they're yeah. amphibians. Oh, yeah. yeah reptiles not amphibians
0: <laughs> and she's she's messing with the air freshener and all that and uh we get a little a little bit from mikey and um you know um Let's see. And Raph is like, hey, April, you got a hula girl to go with that palm tree? Uh, (laughs) She take one sniff and run away in fear. My van smelled pretty ripe since I met you guys. And then Mikey goes, that's turtle power. And then Donnie's all like, not to brag about, not one to brag about. Sorry, April, my brothers aren't exactly masters of personal hygiene. Like you don't smell the same as the rest of us, Donnie? you know so <laughs> and then we get a little raft so donnie's trying to ease his brain by working on a Rubik's cube so we can see that he's uh just kind of pondering and all that and he's he's telling them that you know they're they're pretty vulnerable living above ground so i just this... want to
1: say i love that frame of raft because he even has his armpit out like he's got his, his <laughs> hand up like he's making it even worse on purpose
0: <laughs> yeah yeah a- absolutely and um it's, it's so funny because I'm just reading this and, and I read issues 13 through 15 and I read this one because in the, in the reading order, this is just after uh, issues like 13, 14. So then there's this one. So I'm yeah. like, oh, is, is that part in this or not? So I had to like double check myself just to see. So <laughs> but what, what Donnie's talking about is he is looking for another place for them to live where they're not going to be exposed living above ground in the uh, second time around shop. So most recently we saw that it it was a problem because Casey showed up and Casey got just his face smashed in by his dad. And, you know, it's at that point, it's, it's tough, you know, and everyone's in a tough spot and they realize just how, how much trouble it's going to be if something else like that happens, if the shredder was supposed to show up or anything. And it's only a matter of time. so. So um, Donnie says, uh, it's kind of helping him. He's like, look, guys, I don't know about you, but think about it. We're too vulnerable living above ground at April's shop. Nothing stopping Stockman from building another turtle tracker and finding the shop. Then this kind of goes back to the micro series with Donnie, where Donnie was actually in in there and um, Baxter was trying in uh, Stockgen and Baxter was trying to get Harold to use the turtle tracker to find Donnie. So that's why he's so about this. And and the funny thing about the IDW series is nobody believes Donnie until they have to believe Donnie. It's just like, they just think he's like outlandishly making claims and all that. And he's the most logical turtle all the time. And it's, it's funny because usually he's right, but you know, this, they, they don't the minute, get it
1: though right
0: oh yeah yeah and then they're like and it's funny too because they did the same thing with leo they're like oh yeah there's ninjas following me oh yeah really ninjas yeah and these are foot ninjas so they did the same thing with him they're just really skeptical of each other so
1: <laughs> it's crazy they act like he's just being paranoid
0: and and they're just like ah oh, not the turtle tracker again the same old story it's like oh yeah they're gonna track us you know if if we do that we'll just we'll just take him out ninja style and Leo reminds him, ninja style is subtle and invisible. <laughs> so, But um, let's see. So we, we get a little narration from uh, April, who says that um, she's, you know, talking to humanoid turtles in her van and their verbalization alone is a biological anomaly, not to mention the n- ninja training, which is another level of weirdness. My turtles are a walking, talking, successful experiment in biological engineering, or maybe just an accidental miracle. And I mean, she kind of touches on it, too, but they're also people. They're the souls of people who were re- reincarnated into these turtles that just happen to be there with their father, who was a rat at the right time in the right place and end up getting exposed to a mutagenic ooze that turns them into what they are. And and that's the old argument are, you know, like, is it, uh, you know nature versus nurture and you know the, the soul and stuff like that so it's like super existential this series like the idw one it's just such a fresh take on it
1: i i love that one so much
0: yeah i think i think actually it's my favorite origin for them because like there's there's the movie there's the comic there's the cartoon and, yeah. and is like i used to i i would probably tell you back in the day that the 87 cartoon was my favorite origin because they had him as the human and it made a lot of sense i'm like okay Good. that totally makes sense but um yeah. I mean, this one's just so much better where it's like, OK, it makes sense that they were all killed and that this and then Shredder's back because he's a ghost and a dragon. OK, never mind. Yeah, well, but, and, and, <laughs> and their
1: souls are hundreds of years old. And yes, when you the whole backstory. Oh, my God, it's tragic.
0: Like, it, Oh, my just, God. Yeah. When, you, when you go through and of, see the scene with their mom.
1: Oh, well, and the four boys getting their heads cut off.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah come it's on.
1: Like, that is just. whoo. That's painful. That's deep. And they're back.
0: And he did that. Like, he didn't have to do that. But Saki did that literally to torture his rival.
1: He did so, it. He made him watch. So yeah. Think about it. You're like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you in this life? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me personally, I'm not saying everybody, but it's the loss of your children.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. that's
1: the most awful thing you could ever possibly do. No wonder they come back. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: And then and he's so
1: damn pissed off, I'd come back and haunt him to the day I die again.
0: And, and, and you again have and Donatello. You. Donatello says the, the exact thing that, that we're all thinking. He's the audience stand in. He's like, if, if we deserve to come back, why did they bring back Saki? Because he's the worst, you know? And, and he says it, we all thought it. So it's like, I'm glad that he's using that logic because it's just, it's just crazy to think that such evil that existed in the world gets exactly. the same place as anything that's good. It gets a second chance.
1: That's right. And then it goes into all of this balance of the universe. For yeah. a comic book, it's pretty darn deep.
2: Oh, it's so, so head, yeah. it's super like,
1: oh, my head. I have to think about this. Maybe I need a glass of wine with my <laughs>
0: yeah, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just not sewer apple wine.
1: So. Not sewer apples. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: So um, April now is going back into stock, gen because she's got to work and she's she's talking about this. And, um, you know, we're taught as scientists to maintain a dispassionate observation role, which is kind of what we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, it's how I handle stress objectively and uh, to analyze use science to shield my heart. But I can't do that with the turtles. I feel too protective of them. After all, I name them. The biologist in me is fascinated. How many variables were there involved? The length of exposure to the mutagenic agent interference from the foot ninja contamination, the alley environment, the friend in me wonders, becoming, becoming lucid, aware, more human. Did it hurt them? Now my turtles live like fugitives. We did that. Good old stock, gen. I used to believe in the purity of science, the process of experimentation and the replication yielding reliable results adding to the wealth of human knowledge, studying the beautiful mysteries of reality, but that's crap. I'm finding that the corporate science is just as corporate as any other big business and they can track the turtles down. They'll probably vivisect them and sell them to learn just to justify it as science. So I can't let that happen. And I want to leap into action and help, but that's not my heart leaping. My my head, I need a plan. So now we see what she's kind of uh, gonna do And she didn't, it didn't seem like she even told them what she was going to do, but she was definitely influenced by what Donnie said earlier. And if you notice, Donnie was sitting in the front seat with her. So they, they definitely have some sort of bond and it's probably over science and logic and things like that. So he, he feels comfortable to talk about things around her.
1: I really like that they get to her heart and not just her head. And if we think about all the, the films and the other comics it's always been so important that splinter named them like yes and, if, and here we have her taking on almost a father figure she's the one who named them like that was big to me that's why she's so attached right like that's that's huge
0: and she says as much yeah heck, i named them you know
1: that's it, it- and that was typically splinter's role right the naming
0: and here it it makes make more work. sense here than it does like, oh, I, I found an old Renaissance painter book. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. technically some of those are not Renaissance painters. So, you know, it's like, not that I'm going to hold them to that standard, but it's just like, like, okay, it kind of makes sense that April would do this and do it based on, oh, I really like the work of this person.
1: That's so. it. And there's always so much pride when the turtles get introduced and they're given, um, their names are given to the audience, Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? Oh, so she's responsible for that in this.
0: Isn't that cool? That's that's it just such super a super cool, such a cool thing. And um, so she's got a plan, and it looks like she's going to try and use her position as an intern at Stockgen to get a hold of that tracker. And it's going to start with uh, she says, but she she um, I already know Stockgen's got a scientific dark alley. The turtles are proof. What's missing is evidence which has to be here somewhere how can i find it i'm not a ninja and despite casey's help i'm not really a fighter but i could be a spy so she sees that uh, another woman that's roughly uh same size and height as her it's just dropped down her badge and she sneaks it into her lab coat and then we see chet chet show up he's uh he's such a goof you know, it's so funny. It's like a lot of the stuff would not happen if not for Chet, who is definitely like the Shaggy of this. And I expected like him to be like, "Hey, Scoob! I mean, Doctor Stockman." You know, it's like he's like a, he's a hippie and he's he's a scientist. It's so funny. So and, what's your Chet voice? Um, I think I think Chet is just like, uh, "So this is the tea Turtle track," you know, just like like kind of basic. I, I didn't have anything like <laughs> specific. I know he's not like he does come back later on, but you know I, sure. I haven't really, you know I guess I guess I put more into the Baxter than him, but you know um, Harold is kind of like this, but Chet was just kind of you know. So the tracking T unit exactly does this detect the terap- uh Good morning, April. You know he's just kind of he's kind of dopey, and it, it's <laughs> funny, you know. You, but but the thing about him is that is so interesting too is that he's okay with all of this bad stuff happening, and. Like, he's a nice guy, too, which is really weird, you know, It is
1: really weird. I think it's because, again, the science part of the brain takes over. Like, you know, while we've talked with Donnie, like sometimes the moral compass gets confused because of the genius, because of what interesting science this is. And I think that's Chet's problem.
2: Yeah,
0: he's, he's definitely got some problems because, I mean, he's always playing second fiddle to Baxter and he's trying to get this approval. And, I mean, he's seen some weird stuff. He's he's participated in the psychotropic stuff that he's pumping into the rat. And he knows about this and he's been there with Hobb, like he's been doing the tests and all that. He is in. As much as you can be in in stock gen, he's in. And he's still trying to be a good guy, which is just, as we find out, is not going to work out for him. <laughs>
1: Sadly not, yeah. <laughs> but I guess, I guess once you've seen like one rock giant talking to yeah. you, turtles, yeah. uh, any, any idea of normalcy goes out the window.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they're, they're pretty imposing looking, you know, they're like, it, it reminds like if, if the listeners haven't seen these yet, they look like Korg from, uh, from the Ragnarok film and from <laughs> uh, Endgame and all that. That's, that's what they kind of look like.
1: Oh, that's so true. That's so he, good one.
0: He's got uh, a cup of coffee over here, and he's got the turtle tracker, which he happened to be working on. He's just pushing around on like one of those old school AV carts, and um, you know, April sees it and she's like, "Oh, I need a plan. I need a plan." And she thinks, and she she reaches for uh, the coffee that's set down. She's like, "Oh, here, let me get you your coffee." And she uh, does a, a sort of trip move and uh, fumbles over Chet. And he's, he goes and he ends up uh, spilling his coffee, causing a huge distraction and just like taking out the power, which is such a Chet thing. So it's. It is
1: such a Chet thing. It's really. so funny because
0: she is so smart and clever that she made him feel like he did this. And this is something that he would normally do. So everybody's prepared to like blame Chet and she's like, Oh, no one's going to blame you. No one's going to blame you. And and we look and we see that it's a big deal here because all of the tanks now with these uh, in this room now say failure, 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 you know, and kind of like this weird sort of like, I don't know. I I think of like resident evil where they're making the monsters. It's kind of like that and um i feel,
1: I feel that, like she borrowed a little bit from baxter's book with this one you know with oh yeah worry, i'm just gonna blame you like maybe she's been working for stockman long enough that <laughs> she's <laughs> learning some tricks
0: <laughs> oh yeah and i mean her interactions with stockman become th- that of legend like as we go forward in this because like she is like she is baxter's main antagonist as as it goes forward and they start working together more closely and um I mean, Chet is just kind of like affable and he's like, oh, oh no, oh, no. What did I do? What did I do? Nobody questions this because they know what a klutz he is. And April takes this upon her- herself to grab the, uh, the turtle tracker. So she she's completed exactly what she was looking to do. Nobody only suspects a thing.
1: who listens to Donnie is April.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's-, that's absolutely true because you, you think about it. Leo fights with Donnie more than anybody, like in, in as alike they are. And as much as they try to connect, they just can't because they're always, they're always trying to be heard between the two of them. Like Leo has, you know, the best interest of everybody. And he's like, Hey, we need to do it this way. And Donnie wants to think a different way. And, and that comes back in different times where they're just like constantly at odds with each other. Luckily they figure it out, but you know, it's usually that's Raph. So but um yeah. in we get hug in the end. Yeah, bro hug and you know, fighting on a rooftop in the rain, you know, all, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. <laughs> but um we get a little glimpse here of what's to come in the future from one of these failures, and we see a three-fingered hand that looks like a turtle hand. Yeah. So this will be the first appearance of a very special character so um, (laughs) back at the second time around shop in their little uh room we see that april is now talking to them and she says not sure what they're planning to use it anytime soon but it's safely smashed and now you can have it in your hands by tomorrow so she took care of it it's at the lab she probably couldn't get it out we see mikey eating some pizza raf is pretty excited to hear this news as is donnie and leo and um I I told you we need to pay attention to that turtle tracker tech. Okay, Donnie, you're not as crazy as we thought, says Raph. And you did good, April, says Mikey. And then uh, uh, Donnie goes on. Absolutely, April, but you shouldn't take any more risks on our behalf. You really think you guys are the only ones who should take risks, says April. No, but don't you want to get your hands on that tracker? If I get caught, just say I was curious about damage and then whoops, I used the wrong ID. Okay, just be careful we see on the bottom part of the page now it looks like this uh turtle monster as we see it like the eyes are open so it looks like it's waking up little by little and and this is the part that's kind of weird for me it's like she works here but she's going to sneak in at nighttime you know in all black and all that it's kind of odd but um i guess she's going when there's fewer people
1: yeah i find that odd too but you know you, she's got to do some ninja stealth i think to you know give herself some um to feel really good about this she's got to feel like she's partnering just somehow
2: (laughs) oh maybe
0: yeah and and i guess like like you dress for the job you want so she wants to be a spy and she's dressing like a spy and all that so there you you go you almost feel like
1: hot woman vibes from this yeah a
0: little a little (laughs) bit a little bit or um or from that mikey miniseries the uh the cia agent you know
1: yes totally so, yeah, so she's
0: like uh, nothing to see here. Just another jogger. Pay no attention. Nobody special. And uh, she, she's got her hair done up like the woman on the badge, and she's got some glasses, some horn rim glasses. So she looks very similar to her, just with different hair color. Again, the same build and everything else. So no one's really going to mention as she goes through. And she says, like, "Move along, move along. Just an ordinary coworker. Back to check on the damage that um, you don't see me. Um, you see me every other day. Don't bother looking at that." And then she looks and she sees her first rock soldier who is uh, uh, just chastising Chet. You know how unhappy General Krang will be if the biological areas are not re-secured soon. Everything seems fine. It was just a short circuit, says Chet. Hold on. That guy is solid stone. And Chet's not surprised. I thought the turtle tracker was something, but this is so much bigger. There's much bigger secrets here. As April goes in and she grabs the turtle tracker out right underneath, underneath their eyes. Chet is oblivious. He has no idea who this is, even with the red hair and all that. He doesn't say a word to Chet's credit. You know, I guess this is where it works against him. And the the stone soldier, what are you doing there? Halt, identify yourself. What's your name? I said, Halt. She goes, my name is out of here. As the alarm sounds, everything turns red and she is out down the hall.
1: I love how she just casually strolls out, like keeping her
0: cool here. Yeah, no, she totally plays it cool, like totally. And and that's that's like when you were talking about the other one with the adrenaline and all that. Like she's feeling it, and she is just running with it, which is is awesome. You know, she's just playing it cool, and she's like, "This is my part to play, and I'm going to play it." And and when she talked about that scientific objectivity earlier, that kind of comes back here where she's just out.
2: Well, we'll she could have easily freaked out.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. As we keep going, we'll see like her own inner inner monologue, Mm -hmm. and see that scientific cool really helping her out.
0: Do you want to? Do you want to take it and read this page? Like the? Oh, uh,
1: okay. (laughs) That'd be cool. (laughs) Sure. Um, So my April voice is pretty much my own voice. (laughs) It's
0: it's it's a a bit more accurate than mine. So it's (laughs) there.
1: You go. So on this page, she says, "I revised my earlier assessment. My name is now totally screwed. No stone guy." Maybe he thinks I bolted for the exit. Where am I? And at this point we see her in this laboratory full of large holding tanks that are full of green ooze. Um, So in the next frame she says, what is this? Genetic manipulation? The turtles were only the beginning. And from the looks of the damage, and here we see one of these holding tanks busted up, somebody else got tired of being an experiment. She's looking at a whole bunch of little um, test tubes here. And she says, I can't ignore what I'm seeing anymore. And then we hear a large crack and a stone soldier standing there. And he says to her, I told you to halt.
0: Man, that's That's a
1: stone soldier voice. That's a good, that's (laughs) a
0: good stone soldier. I like it. It's, um, and I mean, this is this is a scary scene. Like the the way that he's lit from the bottom, and you see the shadows, and like the eyes are sloped, and all that. Like he is imposing, and it looks like he's gonna crush her.
1: And he's stone. He's scary as hell. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> I like that he's wearing khaki pants with a belt, though. I think that's no hilarious. Shirt. Yeah, no <laughs> shirt and all that. So it's like, you know, you get like the lower half of Peter Griffin and like the <laughs> upper part of like the thing. It's so it's so funny.
1: It's such a weird combo, but I like it. It is a little, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you want me to keep reading? Yeah, again? yeah. Why okay. don't you keep going? You're doing great. Uh, okay, so we have an alarm going off in the back. Going, free, oh, free, oh, free. And we have the stone soldier encroaching on April here. And we see her thinking, this is frighteningly familiar. Only I'm not dreaming this time. There's no way ex- out except through him. Think, April, you may not have a shell, but you have a brain objectify and analyze so there we see her grab a tube from the wall and then she attacks the soldier with it and the soldier goes ah and we have all this um pressure coming out of the tube going psh. then we see april kind of make a run for it and she says to herself thanks for the self-defense lessons casey let's hope i ace my final and i just want to point something out there because I found this, although she's thanking Casey here, this is her own unique fighting style. Because <laughs> yeah. Casey, Casey is such a reactive character, and we see her th- here analyzing everything here. So although she's crediting Casey, I want to credit April for her own actions here. And then I digress, and I'll go back to the comic right now. We have, <laughs> some, uh, we have some noises going on. We've got a clank and a creche as this rock soldier is busting out of the lab now that he's back up on his feet. And April says it's the oldest relationship in the natural world, right? He's the predator and I'm the prey, as we have a scene of him chasing her. I'm way outmatched, so I should be terrified. And I am. My brain just doesn't know it yet. Adrenaline is pretty cool stuff. Clears your head, lets your body do what it needs to do in that fight or flight moment. And again, she's evading the rock soldier at this point. And we have the alarms going off in the back. And we have her running for her life, thinking, too bad it doesn't last forever. Pretty soon, I'm going to crash. Before that happens, I need to escape. And we have the rock monster in the next frame, looking behind him, looking for her and going, what? And he says, I'm in here. One of the experiments is out. Secure it before. go. And he gets something thunked against him. And we have the alarm going off again. The mm-hmm. roo, 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 And we have a shadowy form in the back that looks slightly turtle esque, I'll say.
0: Oh, yeah. Like in, and I mean, those who know know who this is. Like we, mm-hmm. we can figure it out based on like the shape of the shell and all that. It's like, oh yes. And this is this is kind of his first actual physical appearance, other than just the hand or the eyes.
1: It is, and it's us going, oh my god you know who that is
0: yeah hey
1: hey! look who's here (laughs) did you want to take the script from here or did you want me to
0: uh why don't you keep going you're doing great we've only got like three pages left so let's let's uh have you finish it up
1: you got it so then again we have that lovely alarm i'm sure everybody's fed up with me reading it with the no they uh
0: they just asked for more (laughs) <laughs> oh
1: great! <laughs> and then we have a bunch of stock gen cronies here. They're pretty um, non, not impressive. We see a frame of April's boots, so she's making a run for it. And then we see a little frame of her her eyes peeking out of one of these stock gen suits. So she's hidden in a suit, and she says, "All clear. Thank God, all clear. At least for now." We have that beautiful alarm that you all love so much. The <laughs> <laughs> and we see a kind of turtle hand because we see the three fingers and it is holding something it's holding a little palm tree and then we have these stock gen cronies the hand holding the palm tree and the stock gen cronies are saying you freeze meanwhile we cut to april fleeing. i bet it
0: goes well for them (laughs) yeah
1: it goes really well for them then we have april fleeing in what a yellow suit here So this is just kind of a cool thing. And she says, I have no plan for getting out of the door, but it doesn't matter. It's abandoned. Whatever that rocky guy was yelling about, they're all busy chasing it. So I'm out with the tracker and more questions than answers. Typical scientific scenario. And then we see her fleeing stock gen in the night. It is creepy being out here this late. And then we see a door make a thump sound. But I'm not afraid of anything anymore. And then we see the door coming off its hinges. And April says, not after that. Now the door in the next frame is completely smashed and falling out. And April says, just sick and sad, knowing what's really going on in there. And then we turn to the next page and ooh, we get to see the experiment gone wrong. And it's super exciting. And April says, that's what happens when science goes bad and now we see this mutated turtle with spikes on his back running through the night and april's narration is who knows what other beings they might torture into existence what do what i do know is who's going to be there to stop them four talking humanoid turtles and a hockey player with issues and me and that's the end of this issue
0: nice and uh in here, uh you, you called it that uh experiment. That is the first appearance of the uh the technically fifth turtle uh, slash. Yeah. So he's there and he's got kind of like his his uh trademark appearance, not from the cartoon so much, but as uh from, from like the early comics. He just uh has like the two different color eyes it's uh, it's kind of interesting his appearance will change drastically several times throughout the comic um, specifically in the real the real series because this is a micro series which mm-hmm. is, is kind of like an annual but it's but it's Canon but he's gonna change big time like the way that they have him look and what when they they talk about how he's actually a different type of turtle he's a, a snapping turtle and it. I mean it, it just it goes on from here and he becomes like a major player might be tanbal
1: Oh, yeah. When you look at this, you get the idea that this is a massive turtle. And he's even got like the broken fingernails. So this is like a rougher turtle than what we're used to seeing.
0: Yeah. His hands are just like gross. Like, absolutely. Like, uh, you don't want to get punched by him, let alone have him touch you without some hand sanitizer. No, especially
1: like when he's holding the little palm tree, you're like, oh, that's a gnarly hand. That is not. A happy turtle hand
0: and and that is 100 from the early slash days in the cartoon with his binky and with um <laughs> and with the the comics where he was he was doing the same thing and krang was able to manipulate him by telling him where he can go and get palm trees that's so it, yeah so that's an old slash trope which is cool i, I don't know did, nod did they go into that as much in the 2012 cartoon because um it, i, I know don't they remember didn't, them
1: going into that they went more into, in the 2012, they were more into focusing on Leatherhead.
0: Yeah, right? yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is cool, because that was like a new take, and it's like, oh, this is pretty fresh.
1: Yeah, and it was actually a very nice um, relationship he had. But Slash does not really play very much into anything.
0: Yeah, and um, I know in the 2003 cartoon, Hun becomes Slash. So the only way we get him is because Hun mutates at the last minute and, and then surprisingly loves it so it's like all right cool you know of
1: course you would though right (laughs) and i
0: think that's just in the turtles forever uh movie yeah just found on dvd and i have to rewatch because it's awesome so but um if if anyone's looking to watch the turtles i know if you have paramount plus it's they have the full series on there and you can also watch it on um i think pluto tv has a whole channel that that plays uh turtles all day so that's pretty fun
1: Oh, that's cool. I've never heard of Pluto TV.
0: Yeah, it's a, a free streaming service for television, so you, you can um, kind of watch shows, and they have, like, a kids show, so um, you, you can watch it, and it's just Turtles, like, for blocks and blocks and blocks of the 2003 series and the 2012 series, and there's just the only thing is they play incessantly, like, the they're like the same block of commercials, so if you yeah. don't get sick of hearing those, like, Archie's scary mysteries, and it's like, <laughs> yeah yeah and it does it kind of grates on you after a while i'd I stop listening to it during work so
1: <laughs> i might be binge watching that when we're done this podcast <laughs>
0: yeah no absolutely i highly recommend it so <laughs> so this, this is a pretty good issue i i like the the perspective that april's coming from i like that again she we're seeing a strong capable female character she's being super reckless so nobody approves of what she's doing and but they see, don't mince words they about it stop her? no like not at all
1: her plan, he's, only Donnie's like well okay but just be careful <laughs> which is just very funny
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like he feels that that you know she's not gonna stop regardless and, and I mean usually this is like this is like Raff and Kino from Secret of the Ooze, where it's yeah. like they know it's a bad idea but he's like well if I supervise you it's less of a bad idea
1: So, but I mean anyway. nobody argued with her and usually they'd be like well no we, we need to help you but I think it's interesting that this time they're like well okay yeah I, yeah. I was I, I like that they have the confidence that she could pull this off.
0: I don't think anybody truly understood what she was planning on doing. And I, I get the the feeling on this this last piece where she went in there at night. I don't think she told anybody.
1: I don't, I don't think she told him just how sketchy yeah. it was. Oh,
0: exactly. She's like, oh, yeah, I got this. No big deal. And it's like, yeah, why are you dressed like that? Oh, well, never mind. So Never mind. Cool. And <laughs> This is this is so great because if you only read through the IDW series and you're just going sequentially and you're like, okay, issues 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you miss this and you miss yeah. the extra meat that they're putting on the bone here. And the, you're missing like the first appearance of actual Slash and it's like this is such a worthy story and i'm i'm glad that in the collected editions and i don't know if you have where to put mine here it is i have the uh the hardcover book of uh, turtles volume two from hey, IDW. What I'm holding that's, up. that's we, what you're holding we, up okay we, perfect
1: look
0: twinning yep. oh, oh look they're, they're going the opposite twining. way yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing about this is they do it in the reading order so yeah. you can you can actually read through these stories and they're just so important and it's it's funny because like when you read other comics, like I'm a big Daredevil reader, Batman, X-Men right. from back in the day, you know, yeah. y- you wouldn't have something where it's like, oh, Wolverine 14 plays into X-Men 261, you know, like super
1: frustrating sometimes. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of cool. Like, I'm glad that they did it this way. And I think that's one thing that the series has really done very well and whether it's like you, you get down the road to like the turtles ghostbusters which oh, that fits into something now the it turtles does. batman does not fit into the universe anywhere it's not
1: it doesn't you But know, it's but... worth reading just for Damien's <sighs> damien's absolutely horrible reactions to the turtles i love it's it it's
0: the best like <laughs> the the scene where he fights Raphael is among like some of my absolute favorite so and...
1: it's, it's it's gold anybody who has not read it must go read this
0: I, I um I, I was lucky enough to have Freddie Williams the second on the show and, and we got to talk about all this and I, I just said to him like man you had no idea that when you were making this art and drawing this book that like you awakened the 10-year-old inside of me who <laughs> was like combining the two universe. So I was just like Ten-year-old
1: jumping on a bed with action figures, the Batman and the Ninja Turtles, yep. like
0: Woo! <laughs> yep. Spot on because I, I think I would have been ten just about when uh, Batman Returns came out. So, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. So it's something I remember you can going relate to, see to. That in
1: the theater. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and on a on another uh, note, which is just kind of funny, like a, a thing about like growing up and all that. I have gotten to the point now where I like Batman Forever better than Batman Returns. And, you know, to think about it, like to say that back in the 90s, you'd be like, that's crazy. And now I look at it, and I'm like, huh, that's a better movie. I didn't even think about that. You know, what was
1: the one with Alicia Silver- Silverstrom? Was Batman and Robin? And Robin, yeah. I was going to say, you know, if you said that was the better movie, uh, <laughs> that might be uh, you know, problematic. But That's like, great. that's
0: like, yeah. I mean, that's the given that that's going to be the stinker among them. But it's just like you, you think about like all the things that they kind of threw up against the wall in Batman Returns. And it's like, yeah, it's cool yeah that's cool that that's all right i'm like but it doesn't make sense and no. it's kind of weird and it's like all right but then you get to the next one and you're like oh this makes sense i guess i wasn't expecting that so but it's, that's, but that's here nor there that's that's for a full it's other it. podcast that's so. like
1: deciding which turtles movie is the better movie right including the animated ones
0: oh my god <laughs> so do you have a favorite so do you, you open this this pandora's box do you have a favorite
1: you really want to know
0: yeah <laughs> it, I,
1: <laughs> I love the batman versus tmnt because there are so many brilliant moments. Like, I also think in the live action movies, if we could have a fight like Shredder and Batman, it would be the most epic fight scene ever. Oh, I so I, thought it was, I loved it. And I thought the, the voice actors were great. I love Batgirl interacting with Donnie and her refusing to call it like ooze. She had to call it mutagen because ooze <laughs> was gross. And Alfred interacting with Mikey and in the end, you know, like being buddies with him. I love Robin in that one, too, because he hates the turtles. He's just a lot um, softer than we see in the comic. Yeah. In the comic, he's such a little jerk. I love he's, it. He's
0: super petulant about like all these things and just like he's so entitled and everyone knows that character now because that's like he is the voice of a generation of comic readers now where oh, it's like 20s. all this stuff has been laid out before you. There's all this history, but here it is. And you still are acting like a little ass. So it's just like. <laughs>
1: Brilliant, and I think my favorite part about that uh, animated movie is Mikey fangirling about everything in Gotham. Like you know, he sees he sees (laughs) the Penguin. He's like, "Oh my god, he has like umbrella! (laughs) 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 There are blimps everywhere for no reason." It's like all of these things we've all thought about Gotham, and they get vocalized that way. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I love that one
0: i love that um it's funny because actually from that movie i take the flip the little it's pizza time from that batman that's (laughs) that's my pizza time thing i i took it and it's a second long and that is in every podcast that i've done so so i'm totally with you totally i I love the scene where batman just can relax and he understands these people aren't a threat and all that and he just has pizza with them and it's like that's such a rare moment like you don't see that a lot like there's that side of him and you saw it in the early 90s, but you don't see it a lot now. And I thought you that know. was cool that, you know, he has the respect to let his walls down. He's like, all right, well, I have nothing to lose by befriending these people. And, you know, I really respect Splinter. And and Leonardo is the only one that lands a hit on him, which I just I love. You that know, is
1: great. it's and then so Party cool. in his bat cave. Like it is a big deal. Like nobody parties in the bat cave. Yeah, you think about it. Nobody has drinks there or appetizer. Oh, no,
0: it's <laughs> the turtles I mean, can have pizza. It's both. It's both sterile and awful, like at the same time, where it's like you've got like guano from the bats and you know dust and things like that. Alfred keeps things clean as much as he can, but I mean, there
1: are bats.
0: Yeah, it's it's it ain't right. So
1: (laughs) but there they are eating pizza, and they even look like they brought a table out for it. Yeah, like oh, they're like a little happy family.
2: (laughs) After you,
0: know I'm I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. Um, and, and um, I I feel like this one gets not as much love because like the first one's so dark and all that and it's like amazing it but like i am a huge fan of secret of the ooze and as great. like as like cliche as everything else that i feel like at the time that i saw that in my life it's like like that one it's like i could probably watch that like a thousand more times
1: so <laughs> I, so i'm good. gonna say that's
0: probably my favorite
1: Aww, I think and that tm real.
0: tmnt movie's pretty badass too so
2: that's like Aww. at least top three so i
1: think it's sarah michelle geller who does april's voice in that one yes Can yes I- it is I absolutely loved it. And there's a famous actress who voices Karai as well. I just can't remember her name. And she uh, it was does...
0: the, the girl from um, uh, Crouching Tiger.
1: That's it. Yes, yeah. And she does. I love that they kept it. They, they purposely sourced an appropriate voice. And I think it worked so well. I loved that movie so much.
0: Uh, don't get me started on the coding for the turtles because that's a whole other argument and and i I had, <laughs> I had i had a discussion with the uh, comedian Nore davis on this on how like we both believe rafael was was coded black and i'm like i don't disagree with you so i'm like you know but but that's that's again in a whole other podcast but um you know. And know, he
1: was really badass in that one. Like, I love the, uh, the beginning of that. Oh, so
0: good. Yeah. Like
1: where, you know, he's got the motorcycle and he's just this Thank lone wolf.
0: My latest eBay purchase. I don't know if you could see this, but I got one of the stone generals. Oh, right?
1: nice! I got
0: the, uh, the the Jaguar stone general for ninety nine cents. So I was like, yeah, I'm Whoa. totally getting him. So I'm so only I just, missing. I just
1: found her name. I was going to say Zhang Z.
0: Oh, Zhang Z. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: because awesome. I can't. And I'm gonna look up again who voices Karai in the 2012 version, but I also love her voice, which is completely oh, she's so good.
2: She's that just, is it's such Gwendolyn, a great one.
1: Gwendolyn Yo,
0: I believe. Oh, cool. I don't I don't know her from uh, from any of her roles or anything else like that, but such a distinct voice and such a distinct character, just like a yeah. really cool sort of. Uh, like she's got like this this punk vibe to her, yeah. and she's somewhat flirtatious and all that. And it's just like it's so compelling to watch those episodes. You. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, no doubt she will cut you. I and, love that. And,
0: and she's betraying people, like and she's betraying everyone. So she's like a total kunoichi. So it's just like this is Boy. crazy. Betrays April Shredder, Leonardo Splinter, like everybody, like like Zex, you know, who, who becomes Bebop and all, like like all of them. Like she's just like across the board messes with everybody like wow that's your catwoman character right there
1: she's brilliant i think she's such a great character and like a good juxtaposition against april who's very like we talked about very led by a moral compass april would never betray 100 people in two seconds flat right
0: i agree yeah she just doesn't have that in her so
1: no so it's they're like polar opposites and play so well against each other
0: yeah. Yeah. And and that's why it's so compelling to watch that uh, episode where they're fighting in the subway and all that. And you're like, April doesn't have a chance, but she kind of does. And she wins. She that's pretty fun. Yeah. Well, we got one book left. So and um, I'm I'm running short on time. So let's let's make sure that, that we can. Uh, no, it's, it's are you kidding me? For a great conversation like this, our listeners are going to go crazy when I'll they keep it tight. <laughs> so much in this. We'll we'll start off with this. It's um this is actually uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue number one hundred eighteen. Story by Sophie Campbell and art by Nelson Daniel, colors by Rhonda Pattinson and letters by Sean Lee. And just uh, I didn't mention this before, but letters for the April new miniseries were also by Sean Lee. So. Right. Uh, we start off and we see the farmhouse so this is uh this is after everything has happened and the turtles are, are kind of removed they're at a farmhouse here we see a uh scarred hooded character who we know to be a the uh, reincarnated ghost sort of character who's looking on as an outsider he says time to leave i suppose then all of a sudden there's this really big uh, energy anomaly that happens and it's out of it steps the futuristic turtle, who is a pale white turtle with pink markings and has a time scepter. And uh, we, we know this to be Lita, who is the turtle. Leah is awesome just so, so cool and uh, she says Uncle Saki and she goes on to give him a hug and we could see that she's got like all these tattoos on her arm stuff too and it's all in that same like white and pink color scheme that she has she goes what are you doing here and she says, I'd ask the same of you but now I thought you'd be helping uh, the clan with Karai and Jenica's uh, musical situation so as we have talked about that I um, uh, no, that's uh, I'm I'm here uh, did I pick the wrong time because she's clearly traveling with uh, through time with that time scepter. And, and Saki says, no, I don't believe so. The turtles have already left for New York. Oh, no, I thought they'd be here by now. I'm so dumb. Time, as they say, is shifting. Uh, you just have a long walk ahead of you, he says. Ugh, how come you're here all alone? And he says, I've been looking after the Hamato family during their time of mourning. I've been looking forward for ways that I can help. I revi- I retrieved their cat when it was lost in the woods, tending to Yoshi's grave, but I promised Yoshi I would look after them, and I was unsure of how to approach them without being seen as their enemy. And he's exactly right. I don't think that there is a way that Rokosaki the Shredder can approach any of them at this point. Not the most open-minded of any of them would not believe him. And and that's why Lita is so important because she gives this future perspective where things are going to be okay and things are going to be different. And she brings that information, which she's not supposed to do because she's pretty much influencing the uh, the past by what she says from the future.
1: What would Doc Brown say? The time space continuum?
0: Oh, yeah. Like, it, you know, oh, you in, in Doctor Who, the tiny, wimy wobbly gobbledy. You know, it's like all that. <laughs> but she says, you know she gives him some reassurance and just lets him know that returning clunk was huge. And and thanks for that. And, you know, keep doing what you're doing. It's the little things that matter. And we're going to see that in this issue. It's mostly about the little things that he does to help, even though he's kind of like a incorporeal ghost at this point. So he says, and he actually thanks her, which is, is, this is such a different version of the character that we've seen. So it is,
1: but I was going to say, he does, he, it's kind of a bizarre thing because he can touch things.
0: Yeah, he, so, he can definitely touch things and, and all that, but he also walks through walls and does weird stuff and you can't actually see him unless he wants to be seen.
1: I always wonder about the rules about that. I'll know I'll never get them, but I feel like asking, you know, in your undead, yeah. alive, ghost state, what, what can't you do?
0: <laughs> That's a great question because, I mean, they can hear him because he completes the song for, for Jenica and, you know, they, they can see him at some point. But yeah. I wonder if it's like like the movie Ghost. Or is it like, uh, you know, uh, Frighteners, you know, where you can only it's, see him if you've had a near-death experience?
1: Does he use magic points every time he becomes visible? You know what I mean? Oh,
0: clearly, yeah. That uh, <laughs> that cloak is a plus two uh, magical... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has to roll a 20-sided dice every time.
1: <laughs> roll constitution, please. Yeah, I like yeah. that. That's that's what I'm
0: going with. Every time he has to make a, a, a save. So. <laughs> So so we uh we go to Donatello who is working, and this this is kind of fun because it shows that he types with chopsticks, which is hilarious <laughs> because uh with those big meaty fingers he probably can't type well unless he has a modified uh board and he's just looking at a standard uh laptop. That's kind of fun. Um just let me finish writing this chapter, okay? I'm really making progress as he looks on to the three weasels that uh have their pink um what do they call them? Bandanas? Bandanas. So they've yeah. been training at the Ninja Dojo with uh, Raf and Alopex and Leonardo, so they're, they're apprentices. And they were going to be assassins originally for the foot, uh, trained by Karai. Or, no, they were trained by Hob, right?
1: Yeah, I believe Hob. Yeah. Not
0: I think Hob right. trained them, and then um, yeah. they were supposed to, to be assassins, but it didn't quite work out, and basically everybody's friends now. So Donnie takes his time to go back to get more tea, and these guys are drinking their uh, orange juice it looks like through a straw, and They fight just like the turtles do. And Donnie's talking about, he's, oh, I really got to remember to back up this book that I'm writing. And luckily, Saki sneaks in at the last moment to save this from that liquid and then cleans it up. And the weasels all look at him like, what the heck is happening? As he cleans that up and then puts down the laptop so it ends up being unscathed. Donnie comes back. All right, back to work. So they're just looking on like, they don't know what to say. These guys don't really talk much. So you don't don't get much from them. They're not going to say anything. So and then Saki has done his his deal. Moving on to the next one, we see Leonardo, who's taken up his hobby of gardening, is uh, just hanging out. And um, there's he's whistling along and he doesn't realize that there's a crack and like one of the boards is going to fall like the side sports. But uh, Saki goes in and he just puts a little uh, little shim of wood in there. So it just stays up. And Leonardo is none the wiser. So just kind of like a little a little thing as he he looks around. And if anybody could see Saki, I bet it would be Leo because of the connection that they had and everything else. And he thinks that he feels something with that sort of ninja sense. He turns around and it's just a mist. And uh, and Saki just disincorporates and he goes, I never get used to the tune. I'm never going to get that tune of Jenny's out of my head. And, And that's that's it. Saki moves on to the next spot. Why don't you pick up from this one?
1: Okay, so we see there, we see Jenica with her guitar in hand, and she says, no, that sucks. That's not right. Dun, 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 dun. Why can't I get this riff right? Oh, and then we see like this spectral sake over her shoulder, and he just whispers this perfect music note, and she says, yeah, that's it. Killer riff, and she starts going off on her guitar.
0: That's how Keith Richards does it.
1: That's how Keith does it. He, he has a sake whispering in his ear. <laughs> or maybe it was like Ozzy Osbourne or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, I imagine you wouldn't be able to understand Ozzy.
1: Turtles. You'd be like, what? What was the note? That'd be great. Then we go to Jenica doing what looks to be like a podcast, something like what we're doing right now with another mutant she's more of a cat mutant
0: oh and that's and- uh sally who's the lion right and she's on um she's talking to mikey Thank right
1: you. yes oh it is mikey not Jenica. sorry and uh, i couldn't remember her name i was gonna call her Susie.
0: <laughs> yeah no well you're close you're close that's uh that's sally so she is uh she was with the mutant animals and she's yes. kind of the figurehead leader which makes sense because she's a lion you know um she yeah. just kind of fits that mold but um You know, she's she's super passionate.
1: so she's gender smashing.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: So Sally, not Susie, says the rally's going to be held outside the Mutanimals building right where they can see us. And Mikey answers, this is my bad Mikey voice, I'm sorry. It'll be small, but hopefully the first one of lots more. So tell your friends, guys, let's make it huge. And Sally says, definitely, we're all still pretty scattered here in Mutant Town but I want this to be the first step in making this our own place. I wanna make things better for everyone. No more squalor and fear. And we have Orokusaki just kind of mystically appearing in the back now. And we have Mikey saying, we gotta get enough people together and make real trouble for Hob. And Sally answers that with, or, you know, rally enough of us to just storm in there and kick Hob and his goons out. Send him back underground where he belongs and mikey says um okay well word of mouth will be really important
2: by the way bravo
0: on the mikey voice i'm loving it
1: i I so tried only for you will i
0: attempt i love it i love it and then um in this one we don't really know who this is just uh i i don't know who lola cruz is do you like i don't is she significant she's lola
1: cruz
2: oh okay well (laughs) clearly no i
1: don't know i don't know how significant she is um I don't remember seeing her too often. I think we see her a couple of times, and she's just basically filling this role between communicating between Mutant Town and the rest of the town. Mm-hmm. And I think I think somebody wanted to put a nod to a reporter in here. Like we okay. always have these reporter nods. You know, I think it's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, um, and Saki takes and puts a uh, little transceiver radio there so she can pick up on their podcast and, and hear, uh, or at least their radio show, I should say. Yeah. And, um, you know, then she ends up uh, discovering the story. And I don't know, is she talking to, who's she talking to, her mom or something? She's, she's talking she's just to saying. her
1: mom on the phone, yeah. And first she starts telling her, you know, she's done with this mutant animal story, not mutant animal story, but mutant Town story. And then at the end, she wraps it up with, you know, everyone needs to hear this. And she's got a story in Mutant Town after all. Mm -hmm. So the press is going to go to this.
0: And my favorite part is uh, on the next page where April is just absolutely stuffing her face with a donut. (laughs)
2: So,
0: <laughs> i just love it and, did you notice that her hair has changed dramatically too like from when she's changed roles like uh, when she starts out and she's got kind of like the long hair and, and yeah. she puts up in the bun when she's being all covert this is like another two and a half years after that story and now she's got it it's it's kind of like a more confident curly look where it's tied back because she's you know she's at work she's working for the mayor and all that but it's
1: yeah, big hair
0: yeah it's it's super big it's like it's like hey notice me Kind
1: of. Oh, very much.
0: Like I'm and, important.
1: And then we also see her in like the April and Casey series. She's got like the nice little pixie cut too. She
0: does, yeah. Yes. And I always thought that was a good look for her.
1: It is. So, I mean, her hair. Sometimes I guess they make decisions based on where she's going as a character.
0: No, she sure grew it back quickly, didn't she?
1: She sure so. did. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're extensions. Okay. Let's. Oh, see. all right. She well, it. she gets paid well at Stock Jeno.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a good point. So. um we, we see here that uh she's going outside she sees the null group who becomes a really big sort of uh influence after everything happens with the um with like the Triceraton war and everything they, yes. they kind of step in and it's it's led by like this absolutely terrible person who is uh, is named Noel and um, Noel is working with uh, the mayor of New York who is Baxter Stockman because he won of
1: course they are. and
0: April is working for Baxter and this is where like we were talking about their interaction their relationship this is where it really starts becoming antagonistic and, and like specifically in this one it is like he is flat out trying to kill her so she notices uh, that the, the remaining eggs will be transported inside the, the mutant zone immediately. And she's worried because she is the liaison to mutant zone. So she's the go between because uh, basically, if, if you hadn't read up to this point, Hobb has set off this huge mutagenic bomb and uh, it mutated a good portion of New York and they walled it up to keep all the mutants inside. April is the one who's going between that with uh, Baxter who's the mayor what we're looking at here she is aware that these are mutant fish eggs specifically like moray eels and it was a big problem when it was in the sewers like it was a huge problem that everybody had to deal with and luckily they figured it out with the help of the turtles but um now she noticed that he has these and he's pretty much dropping bombs into into mutant and someone's gonna get hurt
1: and here again we have the fiery moral compass you can't do that right i just love that about her she goes storming off and we even have the hair acting almost as like a flame in this oh movie, cool yeah right like i feel like you you get a sense of how mad she is <laughs>
0: let's uh let's act this out you you want to pick up as april and i'll do the uh, the baxter part
1: oh sure sure so this is right after the van yeah okay so she's this is her storming into the office So we have April storming into Baxter's office, and she goes, "Baxter,
0: please knock next time, Miss O'Neill."
1: Tell me you didn't get a hold of slithery e of slithery eggs.
0: Excuse me, slithery.
1: (laughs) The eel mutant. I just saw someone in a no van picking up and a woman and
0: ah, that would be my associate, Zara. That's unfortunate as she walks in.
1: (laughs) Okay, I get it.
0: It seems we've both been a bit careless.
1: Baxter, you can't put those eel things into mutant town, and you can't give them to...
0: I can do anything I like, Miss O'Neill.
1: Fine, then. How about I take this to the media? Mayor Stockman breeding mutant monsters would make a great headline.
0: I'm sure various outlets and journalists would be interested in your complicity as well. You seem content to sit back while my Mausers blocked off the sewers during the eel mutant incident. You've been very good at keeping quiet about that. I'd prefer if you'd simply walk away, since none of this concerns you in the least. But, unfortunately, you're quite involved at this point. Oh, no. No. And then we see that looks like there's these mutant dogs that have like these crazy clawed feet that come in right behind Zara. My apologies, April. It's just business.
1: And then we have Zara getting blasted with what looks like to be a pepper spray or something. And she goes, Gah!
0: oh, yeah. And and Donnie must have helped her make this thing because this stuff looks absolutely brutal. And I mean, and...
1: it's orange. Yeah. What, what do you spray that is orange? It's, probably... it's like bear
0: mace, right?
1: yeah this is scary stuff
0: <laughs> but this is this is our april from the micro series she's just she's thinking she's reacting she's assessing the situation and she's taking it head on you know she, she, she feels she can ca- yeah and,
1: like, she does that's in her purse like she had casey give her lessons before and in this case this is a very april weapon it's and she's wearing appropriate
0: footwear so they're not yellow but
1: you know. <laughs> they're not yellow <laughs> that's true but again, we have her hair. I love, I love her hair in all of these. It seems like a very superficial thing, but if you look at it, the more mad she gets, the more it like whips around and looks mm-hmm. flame like, and it's really cool.
0: Yeah, and I wonder how much of that's intentional uh, or, or even just subconscious because I, I wouldn't have thought of it, but you're absolutely right. Like it, it does, it, it seems to represent what she's feeling at the moment, and I like that. And this uh, this Zara is no joke, man. Uh, I'm telling you, she just went and kicked down the water or jumped over the water cooler and kicked April in the back. She's caught up to her, even though she can't even see. And she's smashing her face on the ground. And they are in an all out fight.
1: And it's nasty. And uh, mentioning again, whatever she sprayed on Zara, it's stuck on her face. It's like, oh, a mask. Yeah. So whatever Donnie designed, holy crap, is it ever powerful?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And um, April decides to finish the fight by hitting her with a cork board. So it, it seems to have done the trick and very similar to issue number two. She escapes down into the sewers because apparently most buildings have a doorway that leads into the storm drain. So I don't know, maybe it's an older building or something, but uh, she's down here and she has just gone into the belly of the beast where there are now three of these eel monsters, which is. The same as the three mousers that were chasing her in issue two.
1: Well, even if you look at their mouths, they almost look like the open jaws of the mousers here.
0: Yeah, they just they totally adapted the story here.
1: Yeah. And they've got like the little one eye on the top of the head with, with that mechanical device attached.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. And, and their, mou- their mouth does have that little cleft on top. So it looks like that. So
1: it really does. Yeah.
0: So she's, she's running away and one of them uh, grabs onto her leg and we hear a snap. So I take that as it not only just bit her leg, but her leg's probably broken at this point.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look pleasant.
0: So, and, and it's bleeding profusely. And if you know anything about eels, they actually have uh, anticoagulants. So she's going to be bleeding for a while until she gets something to take care of that. So uh, looks like uh, Zara is back with Baxter, who managed to get the stuff off his eyes. It's still on both of their shirts, though. And okay, their looking, eyes,
1: if you look, are very puffy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They look like they are
0: punched. So, (laughs) but now they're looking at this screen, just like Baxter was looking at when he had uh, chased her into the um, into the storm drain, and the turtle saved her. But he can't see what's going on because it looks like she's about to be saved by someone or something, not the turtles at this point. But something's taken out those cameras. Yep. So it's it's kind of a spectral figure that's working very quickly to take care of this. And all we see is an outline and um, Baxter says, who is that? But we can see who it is. It's the ghost of Roku who's standing there in the storm drain over three of the completely defeated creatures. They're just there. And then um, April's like, oh, and she looks back and he disincorporates into that uh, greenish black mist. And then he's just gone and then we have uh all of the As Zara is standing there looking at some data and uh on like a little pad and baxter's yes this is mayor stockman we have an urgent situation and then that's it it's uh we go from there to the dojo where Alapex is there with wrath and if you want uh why don't you take us home on this one with these uh, couple pages
1: okay i think this is really kind of cute we see how how young they are and how playful so we have Alopex here holding a bow staff and she's teaching the young'uns and she says, are you bummed about babysitting instead of doing security duty at the rally? And Raf answers and I'm sorry about my Raf voice everybody, he goes, nah. <laughs> so Alapex says, you're good at this stuff, you're good with kids. I am? Yeah, you're practically a dad now. What? You're so domestic now. Ugh, don't say that. I am not. And Alopex then says to him, Big Lita really got my imagination going, though. Maybe we'll be married in the new future timeline. Papa Raph and Mama Alopex? Ugh, I was thinking more about Lita saying pepperoni gets mutated. That's way cooler. I hope I'm not still fated to train her as a master assassin even though she'd be the cutest killer for hire. And here we have pepperoni on on top of some lockers looking absolutely adorable. I and love Raph pepperoni. Is, <laughs> she's so cute. And we have we have Raf say, "Hey, I really hope we fixed all that crap. I don't want us to be arch enemies." And Alben Hex says, Oh, we won't." And then Raph tells her and I think this is just very funny, "I don't want us to be married neither. We're still kids, too." And she says, ha, you big jerk. It was just fun to think about it. Lighten up. And then we have April come into this dojo full of leaking oo- like mud and probably eels ooze or something. Her leg busted and bleeding and she can hardly stand up. And Raph says, April, holy crap. And she just says, hey, you can imagine she's about to collapse here.
0: Even Pepperoni is surprised.
1: Yeah, Pepperoni looks absolutely shocked here, as do the little trainees. And then we flip to the next page, and we have Raph holding her up. And he says, what happened? Who did this to you? And she says, Baxter. And then we have Baxter Stockman on the phone saying, I am pleased. We have the EPF's corporation on this. Director Bronze, thank you. I hate to report this sort of thing. But this individual has been contaminated by mutant zone exposure and should be considered highly mutagenically dangerous she must be contained within the wall at all costs if she attempts escape please do what must be done to protect the rest of new york yes my associate is sending the subject's information and appearance rover right now and then we see a wanted kind of poster on a tablet of April O'Neil and the sign on the bottom saying mutagenically contagious threat level one and we have Baxter finishing off this conversation but thank you again for your assistance director have a great weekend.
0: Oh, I totally want to read all of the scripts that they have there under her name so and, and it's her picture her mugshot with the hair that she currently has right now and this is just like at the end of that issue too where it you know uh, it just kind of ends and you're like what's next
1: Exactly. That's like, pretty cool. Oh my God. She just, you know, just like surviving the mousers and Baxter. Same thing, just survived eels and Baxter. What happens it, now?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So, um, usually, what I do at, at the end of the stories and all that, I mean, we, we usually just go over and um, then I'll, I'll kind of do uh, a pizza time and all that. So, oh. My question time
1: voice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't do a voice for it, but he it goes, it's pizza time, you know, like yeah. that. But um I always like to ask my guests what their favorite pizza is, like what what they get, anything like that. I've gotten some really cool answers before, but uh I'm interested, uh Libby, what's your favorite type of pizza?
1: Okay, I am very strange in that I do not like pizza sauce. I don't like any tomato sauce whatsoever. I find it Repulsive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I am a huge pizza fan. So usually I lift up the cheese and I scrape out the insides and then I flap down the cheese. But I actually found, I believe it's Pizza Hat has like a chicken Alfredo pizza. Yeah. So you yep. actually put Alfredo sauce and this makes all the difference. So I really like the chicken Alfredo. And I usually, I'm weird. I ask them to put a lot of spinach on it and mushrooms. Oh, interesting. And okay. I leave the chicken out. So it's basically chicken Alfredo, no chicken. And instead, spinach and mushrooms.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's cool. I actually just had—I um, had a carbonara pizza, which was very similar sauce, and it had like uh, bacon, chicken, and it didn't have any peas on it. But uh, you know, that—that's what I actually had, and I had that white sauce. So that's—that's that's cool. So um i i did uh the last episode i think we did the the snowmageddon pizza which is a white sauce pizza so it could not be more relevant so that's pretty cool so
1: that is awesome and i love pizza i make it all the time for my kids
2: Mm, cool but i
1: kind of shudder when i put on the the tomato sauce not a fan of that red berry yeah i can't watch yes
2: (laughs) so
0: um I mean, we covered a lot of stuff. That's awesome. I'm so glad that, that you were here, that we could go through this. It was great. Like we talked about a lot of philosophy, a lot of the characters, things like that. Um, you have a really fun Instagram account and, and I know like there's been some cool art on there. Um, you. Do you like, do you like folks to follow you on Instagram in terms of like, uh, like that? Well, um, oh, where I love can people it when find they
1: you? Um, they can just find me at channel six chick on Instagram Um, If you look me up by my name, I believe it shows up too. And my first name is Liddy and last name is Waters with two T's. Uh, I love it when people follow me. I love it when they say hi um, and tell me, you know, why they love turtles or what their favorite turtle is or anything like that. I'm more than happy to talk turtles with anybody who wants to.
0: That's awesome I'll I'll, um, I'll post a, a link there um, and I'll I'll link you in when, when I share the episode and all that on Instagram so I just saying I was I was so happy to have met you to have been able to do this with you um, you're, you're so positive and just like your love totally goes through for like the the characters and all that and that that's that's why I reached out because I was like this person gets it man and I'm just so glad that you were able to join me on this
1: oh I'm really glad because I do love them so much and I feel like in a very cheesy way, Turtles have changed my life and I get to meet all kinds of cool people with turtles. too. Oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, you know,
1: you could be one person could be like a power engineer and the other way like me, you could have a background in English literature and somehow you meet h- halfway because you've got this commonality. And you know you're both so engrossed in all of these things. So I I love talking turtles with anybody, and I'm yeah. And that there's something
0: there it. for everyone, you know. I, you can you can look into the Shakespearean aspect of this and and develop it that way, or you could say, oh, the technical aspect of this is is really good, or just the way that they cro- craft the story or the perspectives, like like I was talking about in the art.
1: Absolutely.
0: That's really yeah. cool.
1: I even had somebody bring up um, Joseph Campbell's um, book, and it's all about heroes and mythology. Mm. And this person was applying it to turtles and successfully, because there's a reason these stories are gripping. They're they're universal in some ways.
0: It makes sense. It actually, it follows that character model that he was talking about with like the supernatural aspect and all that. So it's like, it totally fits in. Yeah. So. And
1: talk about like the descent into the underground. Like, hello, mm-hmm. they live in a sewer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's so. <laughs> so, it's so metaphorical, but also so factual. So it's like, it yeah, that gets That's it on true. every level.
1: I think it's just awesome that people can connect over them.
0: Well, I, I will definitely have to have you back so we could talk some more uh, psychology about this and just philosophy <laughs> and all that. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we did our first Mirage story ever on here. So um, with, with that, I got to uh, just uh, end this part and we'll move on to our pizza time. So thank you so much.
1: You got it. Um, it was a pleasure.
0: Hi, this is Adam, a.k.a. Casey Jones from Casey Jones Livewire, and you're listening to Epic Tales from the
2: Sewers. Time for a knuckle sandwich, punk. It's pizza time.
0: And now, in a segment that we call Pizza Time, where we discuss any Teenage Mutant Turtle or pizza-related food, I give you Pizza Time.
2: Today's Pizza Time is going to be called Berry Awesome. Disappointed by the dinky micro-pies that they had at McDonald Crump's Pico-Pico Pizza, the Turtles made it their mission to create some seriously satisfying personal pizzas. Here's one of their favorites so far. Individual pizza crust slathered with lemony ricotta and topped with fresh blackberries, raspberries, and blueberries. Here's your ingredients. Extra virgin olive oil for greasing. 1 and one-half cups ricotta cheese. 1 teaspoon lemon zest. One pound ball pizza dough. Homemade, or you can use the recipe from the turtle's cookbook. One cup balsamic vinegar. Two tablespoons of honey. One half pint fresh blackberries. One half pint fresh raspberries. One pint fresh blueberries. Four teaspoons chopped fresh mint leaves. Instructions. Place racks on the top and bottom thirds of your oven and preheat to 500 degrees Fahrenheit. Rub with two heavy-duty rimmed baking sheets with a little olive oil. Step 2. In a small bowl, mix together the ricotta cheese and the lemon zest. Step 3. Divide the pizza dough into four equal-sized pieces and roll each one out in a 4-inch disc. Step 4. Place the dough discs in the prepared baking sheets and spread the ricotta cheese on top. Step 5. Bake for 6 to 8 minutes, switching the position of the baking sheets halfway through until the crust is golden brown. Step 6. Remove the pizzas from the oven and set aside. Meanwhile, combine the balsamic vinegar and honey in a medium saucepan over high heat and bring the mixture to a boil. Let it boil for 7 to 10 minutes or until it looks like syrup. Remove from the pan and from the heat and stir in the berries. Top the pizzas with a berry mixture and garnish with the chopped mint. Serve immediately. Berry awesome, dudes! Cowabunga dudes!
0: Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, Mirage Studios, IDW Studios, Archie Comics, or Nickelodeon Studios. This podcast is a member of the Dorkening Podcast Network. Check out the thedorkening.com for other podcasts. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper and Eric Will.
1: Hey there, this is JB, and if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course at talesfromthepodcast.com.
0: Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream.